1: Hello everybody and welcome to Midweek Motorsport. My name is John Hindorf. It's just after eight o'clock in the UK and we're back for our weekly two-hour dose of irreverent look at motorsport. It's series 10 episode 22 and up in London is our executive producer Tim Gray. Good evening Tim. Good evening John. And before we go any further, yeah, any further, We didn't find out where was Tim last week. We left it open because we wanted people to to, who had downloaded the podcast to have a go. There was—I don't know what.
2: What? Nobody did. Nobody Nobody? after the end of the live show sent a single guess. Did they not? Did anybody get? You didn't tell me,
1: and I still don't know. But I suspect that nobody got anywhere near. Nobody got anywhere near. A, an underground, a subterranean cabana uh, bar with Johnny Palmer was, I think, as close as anybody got. And uh, the only reason I say that is because our One correspondent, Nick Damon, who's here to my right. Hello, Nick. Good
3: evening, John. Good evening. Saw buddy. you
1: on the... Was it the Monday or the
3: Tuesday?
2: Uh, uh, Monday. Week. Monday, I saw him, yes. Yes.
3: We were, we were exchanging
4: a group, Yes. <laughs> and... and uh, Mm-hmm. At the
2: point that I saw Nick that day, I didn't know that I was going to be doing this. Ah. So you'd already had a heavy weekend then. <laughs> so come
1: on, spill the beans, um, where were you? So what made you think the was subterranean then? Well, no, no that's what somebody said. That, that, was the only, oh. that was the only one that I thought might have got close. Were you, knew well, that you with was Johnny? very
2: close because uh, there was a bar there mm-hmm. and the bar was subterranean. Well, there you so go. So maybe That's... somebody spotted us in the subterranean bar. Us?
1: There's an us. It was Johnny? Johnny was there. He Johnny. was
3: in. He, that was one of the clues. Johnny keep Johnny keeps turning up in a lot of Tim's broadcasts recently. I'm beginning to wonder what's going on. Mm. Uh,
1: so where were you and what were you doing? I get him to stand in front of my car holding
2: a pole as well. Mm. That's a good idea. Not you, isn't he? He's not holding. Where him. were you? What were you doing? Uh, we went to see, and this was all his idea, um, uh, at the. Um, World Court Theatre, uh-huh. Rolls Dolls, The Twits. Right, I think we need to move on immediately from that. So you 2 were aren't starring in it. See, if it's me. You... No, we don't have ridiculous beards. Oi, language And you still? We still have worked out
1: here. So that was where you were last week. Um, there's no need to reprise that. This week, because we've got a show so packed that you could barely get any more into it unless you had liquid soap and a shoehorn. And on a packed programme tonight, then we have what, Tim?
2: Well, that's the first tick on many people's bingo card. Mm. Yes, absolutely. Uh, we will be joined this week by Graham Goodwin Yes. and Marshall Pruitt. So that's two of our usual features right there. We have some news. Yes. There was lots of racing at the weekend. It's I really wish amount. that... Uh, we could bring back the uh, feature that nobody apart from me ever enjoyed. Racist results of races that you might not have seen. Exactly, mm-hmm. uh, and probably don't care about anyway.
1: That was that would take you half an hour of the short the weekend. Yes, yeah. there was that much going it's, on. It's not bad though. It's an
3: item which only one person ever liked, and that was Tim.
1: Yes, but he's the important person because he's the executive producer. Well, that's it. So he's the Simon Cowell here, and what you said goes. It, it apparently, it tested well. <laughs>
2: It did, with it really didn't
1: In his front room <laughs> Shuffle your papers then and play the Hang gym. on, uh, I haven't finished what? telling you what's in the show oh, okay, okay.
2: Uh, We're going to be talking about a special anniversary in Portugal Right We don't have any special announcements But we are going to be looking forward to what's going on this weekend when is another busy weekend We okay. are splitting ourselves three ways John, you are going to Detroit I am, uh, with Greg Kramer and Jeremy Shaw
1: for Imser Radio. It is the jewel the Detroit dual, IndyCar, and of course the Chilean Will there United be any sport. spinners there? i bound to be. I'll
2: be working my way back to them, obviously. <laughs> hey, the, uh <laughs> Nick Damon, you'll yes. be going to Zandvoort Amzeh. Ah, how lovely. I should be going with my longest-running
3: uh, motorsport associate, Mr. B. Jones, Esquire. And tallest. And tallest, and, and, tallest, and, and most, well, well, he was most red-headed, but of course he's kind of greying now, as we all are. Uh, and of course with the youngest member of the male uh, uh the Mon team, even though he's way over 30, <laughs> which is Johnny Palmer.
2: We need and to include some more young people. No, no, they <laughs> have ideas <laughs> no, no, above no, no, the they, have, they have ideas. We do yes. know. No, you're unless
1: we'll retire retire, retire. I'm,
3: I'm 17 years away from that
0: how
1: about you uh, 17 minutes the way this show's <laughs> yeah, going no, no, I tell you And no, they no, got it two hours at least and may be forced upon <laughs> me uh, the uh, the Shandvoort uh, is the uh, hike Heitkuk 12 hours mm-hmm. course which is either 3 hours and 9 or 4 hours and 8
3: I think it's 4 hours and eight. I, I, I think I've read a wrong press release I was going is it three is it four
1: it'll the be, Mugello version worked was, I think yeah, better with four it'll
3: hours it'll qualifying and some hours of the race
1: on Friday. Friday
3: and then the rest of the race probably eight hours
1: on Saturday and it, very um, very similar indeed for us uh, in Detroit which will have practice qualifying on Friday a bit of warm up and then the race on
0: Saturday there's a warm up there
1: why, oh, yeah.
2: why does Detroit get the warm up and so many of the other circuits don't it's it's oh. funny. The dude tried. Is it cold there? Interestingly,
1: something that has been dropped from most forms of, of European racing, i.e., the warm-up, is still quite popular in America. Because there was a warm-up for um, there was a warm-up for the last street race as well at Long Beach. Maybe it's mm-hmm.
2: just a street racing. Could so be. It's another um, another event. Uh, mm. Or another session where you can damage your car before the race happens.
1: Remember, Martin Short, Hugh Chamberlain. Nothing good ever happens in warmup. The, uh, the and then the third part of the endurance racing triumvirate at Ooh, the weekend at you. <laughs> is Le Mans test day on Sunday, live from France, exclusively live. No other broadcasters uh, bringing you any coverage at all, let alone full live coverage. Uh, and that will be Joe Bradley. Jim Roller, Shea Adam, and, uh, and right. Graeme Goodwin. Graham Goodwin, editor of DailySportsCar.com, who we'll talk to on the show a bit later uh, this evening. And by the way, if you're going down, it, Mobile One Radio Le Mans is on 91.2 FM and will be on 91.2 FM on the test day as well. Bit less range. A bit less range.
4: Well, not much,
3: Really? I put yeah, oh all right, okay. <laughs> I've been there before, we've sat the airing up on the thing, it's not like
1: no, no, the... It's not in this, the, the in fairness the transmitter area looks going exactly the same place, but um, we could compensate um, <laughs> for that. So yeah, Mobile One Radio Le Mans at ninety one point <laughs> two Fm at Le Mans on Sunday and of course on Radio Lamont.com, Imsa Radio on Friday and Saturday, Radio on Friday and Saturday will have the Crontier Ushan for 12 hours and we are not
3: responsible for any divorces caused by this weekend's action
1: no there's just far too mind there was plenty last weekend as well so let's uh, let's Wait, plenty of divorces last weekend <laughs> yes action plenty of action 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 uh, so we be better have some news and then get into the weekend's action I think play the jingle
0: All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport.
2: So Tim, what's the top story then? Well, we're joined by Formula One correspondent Nick Damon, so we ought to (laughs) start with uh, Formula One. Yes, hooray! Mm. Oi, hooray! Uh, And that was in the glamorous setting Mm. of
3: Monaco. Wasn't that glamorous during qualifying? Monte Carlo. Monte Carlo.
1: Hello, Hello and it. welcome to the streets of Monte Carlo, where the rich and famous turn out to watch the motor racing every year. Well, well
3: they're even the, they the Kardashian
2: inside the motor racing.
3: Yes.
1: And, no, was, I thought it was.
3: Um, it was. Um, it was very, as always, very attractive. It,
1: it's funny, isn't it? Because it's an event that, if it was being proposed, stop, stop. It's an event. No, no, no! Absolutely. That's it. But I remember the days when nothing happened on Friday. Now they have the GP2. Yeah.
3: And the Renault race, or was it the Renault qualifying we had them too on Friday? I can't so
1: 3.5s there as well, yeah, didn't they? Get, everyone yeah. gets to go there? So Did
3: they get no GP3 there?
1: No, no GP3.
3: No, because no. they've kind of worked out they've be too, just caused the team yeah, too much. Too these many. Nine-year-olds running around. So it was uh, practice on Thursday. Thursday, uh, Final practice and qualifying Saturday and the race on
1: Sunday. I like the idea of final practice and, and qualifying on uh, Saturday and race on Sunday. Um, I'm not sure I need it all pushed one day further back. Well, I
3: think because wasn't Friday a bank holiday before? It was it was traditional Ascension Day? I think wasn't I, it?
1: it was a bank holiday in years. Yes, people gone were by. getting themselves um, horribly confused with Memorial Day in the states. No, it's and it, it's, it's Ascension Day. I'm pretty sure. Mm. No,
3: it, it, that's the, I believe that apart from a couple of times when. The Grimaldi family got very upset with Bernie. It's all. It is. It's a nailed-on weekend for Monaco. Well,
1: Ascension Day is the Thursday, is it not? I,
3: I don't know. I'm not up, up, up with. Um, Christy, you're you more on that. It's on a movable feast you're though. in that club. I'm not.
1: It is, I do dig with the left foot. It, it, <laughs> it is. Uh, it is a movable feast, though, because it is. It is one of those that yep. moves as does Easter. Leaked Easter,
2: yes. So this is it, where it is. we need Cavana boy, isn't it? Is he good with those sort of things? Then. Well, his dad uh, used to teach religious studies.
1: <laughs>
3: but I thought suddenly his dad was a vicar, which would have explained an awful lot. No. Uh,
1: <laughs> anyway, um, it was the usual... Mm-hmm. Um, it was the usual fest.
3: Can I actually confess something?
1: Yeah. Mm. I actually
3: did fall asleep. Did then, you? Yeah, but I had. But then I woke up um, as they got overexcited about the accident and kind of came groggily round and went, why the hell is Lewis in the pits?
1: Mm. Um, well, I think everybody said because that. it was so was blinkingly that. obvious yeah. it was a stupid idea yeah. right, let me just finish off the Ascension dear. It, it is it uh, is the Ascension obviously uh, it's a biblical holiday it's, it's a religious holiday it's Thursday the 40th day of Easter following the count given in the Acts verses 1-3 to 3. ok that's why was that a that way win yeah
2: 1-3 oh, 1-3 but... on as Easter Moves yep. every year, and yes. the Monaco Grand Prix is pretty much fixed on the final Sunday. No, of no,
1: no, it moves. May.
2: it moves. It used to move. It doesn't move anymore. Does <laughs> it not? When was the last time the Monaco Grand Prix wasn't on the last Sunday of May? Apart uh, from this year, when it's on the previous one. Right, it, last only year thirty-first.
1: Right, it was. Well, Ascension Day was May the, the fifth Sunday. Of May, th- May the 14th was Ascension Day this year no right. so it's not so it's moved off it it used to be on it and it's
3: now
2: moved off yes Monaco Grand Prix is now the 4th Sunday of May ok
3: alright fair it, it, it was stuck to it religiously haha <laughs> yeah. and Very good. now it's moved you're
2: absolutely right boys it, ok it, it, it,
3: commercialism has taken over even that one last tradition.
1: ok so let's go back to the race Lewis got his first ever pole position
3: Lewis was, was absolutely
1: dominant all weekend and didn't win he didn't win mm. because, for once, whinging about the team, he would have been right. Win as a team, loses the team. I well, thought, lost team. I thought, as a considering team,
3: how they how they did cock it up, I it thought up. I thought actually he was all right. Actually, I think I think yeah, people trying to have a go. I thought well, you, he's disappointed. That's fine. He's, he's he's said all the right things, and he's going to he's going to kick the cat. He's going to do it in private.
2: I, I thought Nico was also very good. In was, yes. I think his disappointment would have been lessened by the fact that under his new contract he earned 1.6 million pounds from that weekend.
3: Well, I'm sure it was a win but he didn't get. Then my guess is they probably paid it him. <laughs> I did, if you were
1: watching the, um, ah, in fact, it was on the world feed, wasn't it? Martin Brundle did the, the podium interviews or the on the side of the road interviews, as mm. they are at Monaco. Well,
3: it's what well, the AA wasn't it really? So and
1: I, did, <laughs> I did like, I did like when he finished off. Uh, obviously, he'd spoken to Vettel and he'd spoken to Lewis. And then he spoke back to Nico again, and Nico was very like, you know, I wasn't the best today. It was very lucky, blah blah blah. And and Martin made some crack about, well, you know, two McL- uh, two Mercedes drivers who I'm very happy. And Vettel popped back, I'm happy. Oh, I'm, happy. I'm very happy. <laughs> he wasn't happy at the start,
3: though, was he? No, he wasn't happy at no. the start. <laughs> but as far as I think it had been discussed at the end of the world, Mercedes cocked up, it's blimmin' obvious, and the worrying thing is now, they're two
1: for two now, aren't they? But do you know why they made a mistake? Because they've got too many Chiefs and not enough Indians. No, though. I'll tell you why they made a mistake, because originally that wasn't called as a safety car, it's it was called, a called a car, as a yeah. virtual safety car, and they made their decision on mm-hmm. two things. Number one, it was curled, called as a virtual yep. safety car, which meant his lead would have been intact. Mm-hmm. Number two, he was complaining. Uh, Lewis was complaining about losing the heat in his tyres. Uh, Can I give you a three? Mm-hmm. Do you think if Ross Braun would be on the pit wall, he'd been pulled in?
3: The answer is no. There's no one in charge. Same reason they cocked up in um, China. Same reason they messed up in China mm-hmm. is because they haven't got someone.
1: In, in charge. ultimate charge. You've got 10 people shouting across each other and a panicky decision It's interesting made. because Nicky Lauda did say it afterwards. I was listening to the radio. There was a lot of confusion. The it's thing... not hard. It's Monte Carlo.
3: No, Nigel but... Mansell couldn't get past and center with brand new
1: tyres and a 3
4: they, to... they never, never car.
1: expected him to lose the track position.
4: You don't they...
3: take
1: the risk. Any pit stop <laughs> is a risk. Uh, they never expected him to lose the track position. So part of the decision was made on the fact that they thought it was virtual safety car. Mm-hmm. Part of it was because Lewis was saying, on the restart, my tyres are going to be a nightmare. I'm already losing um, temperature. The car's moving around. I'm going to be a sitting duck. And the third, I agree with you, that a lot of people weren't watching what was going on.
2: The question, very long sorry. safety
1: car as well, wasn't it? Yeah, but well, that was because they did yeah. thing. Well, it, it, in fairness, it was a very long safety car because the... Arm core had been damaged and it moved back. The platform that had a car on it when um, hmm. Verstappen went in and had marshals on it. If you watch that carefully, yeah, no, it, big... it deformed the arm core through three layers of protective barrier. Congratulations to the FIA safety regs again.
3: Um, but that I would just say one horrible thing. To I would watch. just say that if you're at Monaco, you don't bring someone in the risks of a pit stop far outweigh any games you're going to make in the last few laps at Monaco and it was just ridiculous it's, it's people who don't seem to understand what's going on don't right. understand where they are
1: you know, yeah, no, if,
3: not... if the same situation happens in Canada where it's the, it's the easiest track in the, in the world to overtake on absolutely bring him in because he'll breeze past everybody you can't overtake a competent driver at Monaco I uh...
1: You can't. There's no no no, way. Listen, by no means am I defending Mercedes-Benz. Right, I am just
3: giving you. But I kind of what I'm saying is, and and it's been done, and he's still gonna win the world championship. It doesn't matter. It's fine. The point about it is, though, you wonder. No, he's not. You wonder what these engineers have been doing for the last twenty years. Have they not watched any Formula One races?
1: (laughs) Lance has a postcard, please, too.
3: You know, that is just the sort of error that, you know, you sit there, and I realise you have all these armchair, you know, tacticians, but
1: it's. Monday morning quarterbacks, yeah.
3: Invariably, when they make a judgment call, not be funny, but I reckon I get it right several several times more than they do. Because yes, but a, you haven't because got all becau- the
1: information there But that it, it got. just
3: becomes obvious. You stop, they effectively outguess themselves.
1: The, the thing, like I'm going to go back to this and just, uh, I, I don't disagree with you, I'm going to put it in mitigation, right if that had been a virtual safety car he would have been in and out without losing his position right, I he got hang on, let me finish, he also got caught behind the safety car because of where the safety car was and that was there was a bit of bad luck there because the safety car had tore off up the hill and re- then realised he'd picked up the wrong person And it looked for a while like he might be able to get round, get in and take advantage of that before the the rest of the guys got round and got picked up by the (laughs) safety car. And and unfortunately, the safety car was super, super slow in the last third of the lap. And he already lost a lot of his lead at that point. There was a lot of things that, uh, don't get me wrong, I still think it was a bad call. But there was a lot of things that conspired to make it... Worse than it seemed. Well, no, no, uh, but um, there was a lot of things. It, it looked from the outside like a black and white call. Don't bring him in. I don't think it was as black and white where from where they were sitting. But it
2: should have been. They just you suffered don't... from yeah drowning in data.
3: They also, they also the fact irrefutable. Tim, f- I'm not going to disagree with that either. Irrefutable fact is: a car going around the track, risk of a problem virtually, virtually, virtually zero. Mm. Any pit stop, huge risk. Tire not going on. Breaking the speed limit. Somebody else coming in and blocking their
1: exit. Were there anything they got? It's just you're thinking, you don't need to take the risk. Bear in mind, again though, I'm just going to put this back into the mix. They are listening to a driver complain that his tyres are gone, and as they're getting cooler, even as he's slowing but down... What's on, happening to everybody? I, 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 they are... Don't forget, they are listening to their one driver. They've got two drivers, and they should have experience. That is why Ross Braun would never have called that car in. But it's not down to, there's not one person sitting over Exactly. There's two guys fighting
3: their own corner.
1: There should be one guy, and it's precisely Paddy, but there's one guy
3: who is a racer. Mm -hmm. Paddy, whatever his name is, Paddy Paddy Lowe, technical, fabulous. You know, somebody should be on top calling race strategy. Someone should be up in the tower being the spotter. And in, that doesn't. In fairness,
1: happen. in fairness, also Ferrari missed a trick because uh, they missed the opportunity to get Fettel in and uh, take advantage of the traffic and the tyre issues earlier on. Earlier yeah, on, but they had and they missed that by a good three or had, four laps. Yeah,
3: they had that, that was that was again. Weird conservatism for no reason, Base on, on the other problem, of course, because they were so desperate not to go on the harder of the two tyres. And you're sitting yeah. thinking, you know, it's, you yeah, know, it's, it's, sometimes you have to do something different if you want to win, and they haven't got much to lose. So you kind of think, you know, because they weren't going to get past the two Mercedes without doing something different. And you do kind of wonder whether we've ended up with a corporate structure that breeds corporate torpor. You don't have that reactivity that you get from a garagiste as such, you know, and, and, there's too many. There's too many fingers in the pie. No, no. I'm,
1: I, and again, and I disagree. The
3: reason that Mercedes, the reason missus mm-hmm. couldn't fire
1: anybody, is because nobody was responsible. No, no, no it's individual. Okay, let's move on. Tim, what else do you have? we staying good, in the Monaco good, sorry, Grand Prix. Yeah, good drive. Could just one thing I must say. Good drive by Vettel. Yeah. Good drive by Dan, Danny Crett. Good drive by. Um, uh, yes. Did you see that the swapped Kviat and
3: Danny yeah. Rick... Back again, no, no multi twenty one issues. Apparently, uh, some people have a bit of honour about it. Yeah, they gave Ricardo a chance to have a go with fresh tyres, I and mean, it didn't work. They swapped him back. Him.
1: Ah, okay. Uh, that, that, that not so nothing to do with positions in the championship. No, no, they, like
3: swapped, they swapped. They swapped. Ricardo was swapped with Kreutzer. So Ricardo got past because He was on a different strategy. He was given six laps to try and get past. Uh, I think it was Fettel didn't do it in the
1: last like, oh, they had to swap it back again. It was Lewis actually. By the time he'd come back, yeah, up, yes. were, were he trying, was battling for yeah, third. Right,
3: yeah. yeah, so they were just they, okay.
1: They, they, okay. Thank you for clearing that up, because I, I I heard them call it, and I was thinking, hmm, not sure why they've done that, but he had to lose seven or eight seconds on yeah, the it was, it was, last was, two corners. It, it was
3: a bit, it was, it was a good bit of team management for once. Yeah. And, when you got, and when both the drivers are listening, he makes it so much easier. Yeah, sorry, Tim, go ahead. Staying so with Nico the Monaco Grand Rosberg.
2: Rosberg has now won his third Monaco Grand Prix.
3: Third yeah. in a row as well. So he's, he won one properly, he cheated for one, and he <laughs> lucked into one.
2: So who else has achieved three Monaco Grand Prix wins?
3: Graham Hill, who won them all with a moustache, yes. and uh, Aiton Senna, who won them all with a flourish.
2: And the third driver who's done that is... Alan Prost. Isn't Alan he? Prost, yes. So not bad. So is Nico Rosberg as good as Prost, Senna and Hill?
3: no no and
1: eh, probably not well at Monaco yes
2: no no still no John still no
1: well the, the stats say otherwise and
3: that's all that counts isn't it yes <laughs> absolutely well I mean, it's true when, when, when people are looking back in 15-20 years time there's no asterisks in the record books
1: uh, well and, and you know um, at least one of those Graham Hill victories was down to people falling out around him Well, I'm because sure. attrition in those days was much bigger it was massive um, I'm sure the the
3: wins for Prost and Senna were also equally caused by some major major people dropping out.
2: There were more uh, drivers starting the races, though.
1: Yes, well, they you know I I I think it, I'm I'm playing devil's advocate deliberately because I think it's absolutely futile to make any of those con uh, comparisons because
3: I don't think that you with many bar arguments that Rosberg was as good as is as good as,
1: as Prost or um, Senna, really. He, he, but he has, in fairness, he has, he has been there or thereabouts in terms of his performance in the last three years at Monaco. He he's been very good. Now at the weekend, he wasn't as quick as Lewis, and he looked into the race. But the other two weren't. That wasn't the case. No. He he, he finagled. <laughs> Uh, I'm a bit worried about the C word. But he finagled his way to pole position. And for, that was what counted. Which, yeah, but he's still, he still uh, yeah. had to convert right, it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I... And he's in the same car as one of the best drivers on the grid.
3: Rosberg's, Rosberg, Rosberg's a very good driver. He's not one of the top two. He's not the third best. He might be fourth or fifth.
1: He's still better than I think that I certainly used to give him credit for. I, I was like you, Nick. I always thought you'd only get out of... Uh, the car, what you'd get out of the car with Rosberg in it. I changed my mind after the issues with the brakes at Canada last year, um, and also how he eventually got his head back together after Spa. Because I thought after Spa last year we'd not see him again, and how he pulled himself well, back. Fair, we haven't really, have we? Well, I didn't think he'd, he won honestly, Br- did... he
3: won the Brazilian Grand Prix, and and Lewis wasn't really trying. And since then, he's been apart from Barcelona a couple of weeks ago. He's been comprehensively trounced every single race. And every number two driver should be able to you know in the top team should be able to be better in a couple of races this season.
1: How how do you read the uh the Ferrari situation with right and now solidly in the number two spot and not getting the same parts uh even um down to different breaking uh breaking uh parts as am as fertile. Are you looking at my surprise face? I'm c i am am quite surprised.
3: Why? That's what they've done for that's what they've done forever. Give me the last year that wasn't... That, the Probably the last year that didn't happen was 07 and the first half of 08. I mean, it was Massa and Riker and they were kind of together and then Massa slightly got the edge and they, they then made
1: Riker number two for a while. Is that what they've been missing then, do you think? No, I just think... I think the, it's, it's not been... so. Okay, let me put that another way. It may have been happening at other times. It may have been happening and then stopped happening, which is what changed... Maybe that's what chased Alonso off. I don't know. It's never been as obvious as having different aero parts, different, you know, and people being able to see them on the car, so that the cars have been physically different and it's been pointed well, out. It's obviously happened in the Schumacher so, era. Yeah, I'm, I'm now a little bit closer than that. Absolutely agree. But you know, it's not only is it being. Not only is it happening, but it's obvious and it's been pointed out it's happening. I think it's... I think there's a... It's more public. Yeah, I think
3: that that, will... That's probably... You know, that'll ease back because there's a development ease back and they'll they'll come to a stand and the car's probably very similar to the second half of the season. Räikkönen's currently driving the races as well as Vettel, but he's always starting from four positions further back. So, until he starts getting his qualified and then we'll see what happens. He
1: is... There's a certain sense of resignation in the... I'm sorry, we've managed to put back tyres on the front... (laughs) uh and a left front tire on the rear and one of the Citroen saxo yeah i'm not i'm really not, for, some oh, reason,
4: really?
3: for some reason for some reason you're qualified
1: me. in a fiat 600 how yes happened. yes were you paid to have sent you out <laughs> okay. in the higher cut okay. oh really yes okay thank you yes uh well you know it's it's almost like they are deliberately trying to cheese him off enough to get Does shot him and Does someone... anybody really
3: think that Fettel um, is as good as Alonso? No. no. So why are we surprised that Reichen closer to Fettel even with a number two contract than he was to
1: Alonso? Hmm. I, I, I am surprised. I'm not surprised it's happening as such. I mean, uh, in Fettel he's more cheery. He's pretty a nice person to have knocking about. I'm not surprised it's happening as much as I'm surprised that it's happening so publicly and that, you know, the finger is being pointed more. Um,
3: if you want to remove and which they, I'm sure they probably do at the end of the year, then why, you
1: know... And who's replacing him?
3: I don't know. It might be Bottas, but he's got a contract that's relatively watertight. But, of course, money will talk on that one. So, oh, yeah, low. no, they're not going to put a rookie and they'll, they'll They've got the Haas team for that, Tim.
2: Mm. Oh, that's true, but the Haas team seems to be looking for uh, American Toasters. pay drivers. Yeah, an American pay
3: driver and a Ferrari free engine driver.
2: Mm.
3: Yeah, good point.
1: <laughs> All right, sorry, um, I, I hijacked you there, Tim. It was just, I'm, 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 I, 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 people think I've got a downer on, on Vettel and Hamilton. And... I think Vettel's probably a very positive influence having the team. I've never seen him smile so much. I think he's probably a very positive influence having the team. I think he's a
3: very absolute fresh air they need and probably suits the... Uh, uh, arrive well um, team much better
2: but is um, he smiling or does he just have wind
1: I think he's <laughs> who knows he's coming with it uh, going well there's no expectation though for him this year so in that respect it doesn't matter where he comes if he comes third or fourth no, and, you know, and if he comes it's, second it's great it's a tidy car it's a tidy car it's, not, it's the second best car on the grid and he's coming
3: third well done I well, he came you, second this time with a up, but he's coming third
1: I I'll tell you what was very very noticeable is how good the chassis is it's got plenty of mechanical grip, which is which it didn't have two weeks ago in in Barcelona. But also the other thing that I noticed about that was so does the Red Bull,
4: mm-hmm.
1: and the the engine. Nothing funny,
3: but the Mercedes is better than both of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In both mechanical grip and engine. See, I'm I'd not. Really, I'd really love. Well, I would like to well, see. Why couldn't Lewis would, get past? Get past then? Because you can't he had get past. Three
2: laps and it's Monaco.
3: Because you can't get past at Monaco. He never even tried. Has or? anybody actually? Because he wasn't getting the drive out of the last corner particularly well. Or that was place he basically going to get it. And whether that, whatever that reason that be, were the tyres, you know. So he
1: had brand new tyres, a better tyre, softer tyre. Yeah, the softer tyre, which was better on
3: Saturday afternoon. Is it better on Sunday when the temperature is completely different? And there's ten tons of rubber down. Okay. I'm not saying he'd, I'm not saying it was. His, I don't think he's going to sit I think back his and go. Plug was Those are my there. greatest ten laps ever. Cause I'm pretty sure they aren't his greatest ten laps ever. But I still don't think he'd have got past because Fettel knows what he's doing. He's not trying to get past some you know some tugger in the poor Super Cup He's trying to get past a guy who's you know whatever you think. He's a four-time world champion. Mm. Okay. Sorry, Tim. Moving on.
2: Article three point seventeen point eight of the Formula One technical.
3: Ah, my favourite point. Yeah, is this the wobbly wing one again?
2: Yes, this is all about your front flaps.
3: Well, apparently, yes. Apparently, Rather the, than the pass flaps. The, exactly. Apparently, uh, the front wing deflection, they, 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 what they're going to do now, because they're convinced they're still making bendy things, is they're actually going to fix a live African elephant to each side. <laughs> as that's the only way of making sure it was. Now, the teams are there have been an argument, because some of the, t- the, the smaller teams want an Indian elephant, because um, mm. they said the ears were an aerodynamic aid uh, yeah. for Red Bull, but it is an African elephant.
1: Yeah, the, uh, the, is that the elephant mm. in... In, in the, the room, room <laughs> there's then, two obviously. of them
3: they're actually in the FIA Weybridge yeah? I mean yeah the
1: oh yeah that's right who got thrown out as well for missing the Weybridge I know huh?
3: that was a brilliant call by the uh, Sky bridge. oh you'll probably just get a slap on the wrist no you've been kicked out of qualifying Carlos Sainz yes What um, uh... <sighs> well, this is deflection again the end, yeah they're now looking at them. They've, they, they reckon the actual main beams are fine now and now they're going to measure all the flappy bits coming off them with right. 10 50 kilonewtons of something or other <laughs>
1: And next week on the Auburn <laughs> University...
3: Next next week on Nick Does
2: Physics... ...as a point Get load of what? 60 newtons. Really? Which will be applied to any part of the trailing edge of any front wing flap. Well, there we go. Excellent work by that. Uh, who was the last person to be caught cheating with flexible flaps? Uh, flexible
3: Red wings? Bull, like last year.
2: What did Christian Horner have to say? We didn't do it.
4: That's not there true. was no advantage. He said we said know, he did he do we it. We did do it. Everyone
2: else is doing it as well. Uh. We did do it because everyone else is doing it. <laughs> That's well, fair enough, really. It. What did Rob Smedley say in reply to that?
1: That's um, not true. We're not
2: all doing it. Pretty much, yes. Because mm. we're not doing it. Uh, he said, uh, in, our, in not so many words, we're not doing it, and we don't mm. think anyone else other than you is either. Mm.
1: You're just oh. deflecting. Yeah. <laughs> hey! <laughs> See what I did there? Very good. Uh-huh.
2: Uh, so, Red Bull uh, has had some issues this season uh, at the other end of the car. At the back end?
3: Have they? Yeah. What, well, lack of grip, or, or is it is something rude? The engine. Oh, yeah, well, that's at the back end. It's a mid-engine car, Tim. You must have the basics, surely. Mm. Back it's... end of the car will be the gearbox, possibly, or possibly, you yeah, know, the rear suspension. Oh, y-
2: you don't be a pedant. <laughs> Anything behind the driver is the back end. It's it is
1: mid rear. In fairness,
3: yes, in fair, yes. The engine is rubbish, and they're going to and they're going to have to take a new one and take an engine penalty very soon. They're deciding whether to do it in Canada or not. Yeah, their fifth engine after
2: seven races is uh, is Canada a good place for them to take a new engine? Um, they're or basically saying
3: they're basically saying we're going to be rubbish because it's all about the power at Canada. We haven't got any, so we may as well start at the back. Is is basically reading through the lines of what they're saying?
1: But you can't pass it, Canada. Not with no horsepower You go on Well you've got pass flaps
3: Doesn't it matter You've got no horsepower
2: You won't get Speed enough
3: speed, speed is Is drag
2: Against horsepower so, so if you've less got drug.
1: less Yeah but you've got no horsepower Okay They should still have Had less drag They've still got too much drag Right.
2: So uh, We had a virtual safety car For 8 seconds wasn't it uh, A little bit longer than that No I think it's 8 think seconds it was success, success
3: Obviously not because it went to a safety car. Yeah.
1: The virtual safety car beamed up. I can't possibly in think that after the, the violence of that
3: incident, why they ever thought it needed to go virtual were bits of car all over the shop. That's the, maybe, that was obviously maybe, a safety, the safety car.
2: car. driver had gone to the loo.
3: That's a good point there. I hadn't thought that. Excellent way, man.
2: Yeah. Uh, when else have they used a virtual safety car? At Monaco? GP2. Yes. And but how
4: did, did that go? Badly.
3: Yes. <laughs> now, at this point, I only know that from... From the Twitter sphere, because GP2 is something I didn't watch this weekend.
2: Right. That was on Friday. Friday. That's no, why I, was I didn't watch busy. it. <laughs> yeah, I, this was is in, the I was in England Holland World on Friday. Yes,
1: it, yeah. was, it, it, it wasn't Holland? much of a race
3: Yes. Again? Yeah, I'm. I'm he has well, a job now. I'm going hel- to uh, Helsinki and um, Oslo in the week after next. Actually, you know, next week. Of course, next week.
2: God, bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> You've been to Oslo before, though.
3: Yes, but that was a different job many, many years ago.
2: Look, never mind, never mind Nick's travel log. Nick's Nick's calendar. <laughs> I'm Jim, thinking, I'm where's, already... where's Nick for the next month is sorted.
1: Or, or, or in fairness, is he slightly more exciting than GP2 was? Oh, the
3: stuff Van Dorman again, so bye bye, Kevin.
4: How, and Jensen. How is Kevin and
1: Ke- Jensen. Well, Jensen, Jensen finally saying what we know he said. Ages ago about, oh, I really want to go and do sports cars.
2: Mm-hmm. Which we know he said. <laughs> you go back to the GP2 oh. race. I'd uh, rather only, not. Only only you know how about many laps it, were there the green? Uh, there were plenty of uh, laps the green.
3: Oh, plenty. I don't believe that for a second.
2: Uh, who was uh, leading before the uh, virtual safety car? No idea. Who wasn't leading before Stoffel the Stoffel van uh, Don Correct. Mm-hmm. And? Um, Marcello was uh, leading. Uh-huh. Uh, had already made his pit stop. Yep. Um, Claims the virtual safety car uh, cost him a huge amount of time, uh, so he finished eighth. Hmm. His argument is that drivers who are going very slowly already... Mm-hmm can slow down to the delta that they need to be behind the virtual safety car more quickly than drivers who are going very quickly. So, a driver who is on his way out of the pits when the the virtual safety car is called and is going not much faster than the pit lane speed limit doesn't need to decelerate, so loses no time. A driver who's doing 150 miles an hour has -hmm. to decelerate very quickly. Yep. So loses a lot of time,
1: but he's travelling faster in the first place. Therefore, it doesn't matter. He's wrong. The way where the advantage is is if you've already, if you've done your pit stop under green. Then your pit stop itself is a greater percentage of a lap time than it would be under under virtual safety car. I.e., the time that you spend in the pit lane is a greater percentage of the time spent doing a lap under virtual safety car. So if um, so you you it, therefore you lose less time on the track than you do if it's a green lap.
2: So Marcello wasn't the only one to complain about this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arthur Peake also complained but said these things happen in racing
1: that's it. At the end of the weekend, uh, Stoffel van Dorn has a 70 114 points to 70 for uh, is that Alex Rossi in second? It place? is. Uh, and uh, Harry Anto, I who I still,
2: is it? <laughs>
1: and, <laughs> it might have been.
2: I'm not that. He's
1: run GP2. Um, uh, Harry Anto, who I still think should be in Torchwood. Uh, Mitch <laughs> Evans, uh, our friend, had an, another awful weekend. With the car falling he apart to on him do as a Mrs. More kid. interviews with you? Uh, yes, he didn't have an he interview with us this weekend. He f- th- th- was the car stalled on the way out the pit lane, going to the grid,
4: and, and that was can- he can- was out.
3: Five. How can Calum Masters have 23 points more than because normally he just he's just trying to, to get 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 get, get into hit people, isn't he? I think he was second.
2: Grief. Good grief. Uh, 18-inch wheels. They're lovely. They're too small, 18-inch
4: no, wheels.
1: He says, from a, mar- from a from a from a someone who's max power marketing team. The, the <laughs> smallest monster yeah. the smallest rims that I think any of the cars on our drives have got at the moment are 80, no 19. Yeah, but the problem is, 19 if you make and tires, 21.
3: If you make the t- wheel rims any bigger, the wheels get too big and you can't see over them, which is a point Martin Brundle made. That if you have an 18-inch rim and a small amount of tire, the overall height is more than the current 13-inch rims. That's rubbish. No no it's true. The roll
1: and diameter could be exactly the same.
3: No because you've got a, you've got a 5 inch bigger diameter wheel. Yes. Yeah. And then a small amount of rubber. Yes. Which is apparently and I haven't driven it but Martin Brundle has is still slightly more than the 13 inch front tire and it's fat sidewall.
1: Right. Well, not much though.
3: But it's obviously that's the vision blocker isn't it in a well,
1: single seater. Get taller drivers. See? let's solve that one then yeah. okay. and John Hindoff the so, no, everybody's I think, talking about Periscope but, but at the minute. They're, only 18, the they're only 18
3: one. inch rims on uh, Le
1: Mans cars anyway well you see there's a good point because you've got 18 inch rims and wheel archers for Le Mans cars mm-hmm. just sit the drivers up a bit further off the ground oh, give them a cushion oh,
3: to sit on that's, do you know what that's fantastic but obviously the cushion would have be out of carbon fibre in some way wouldn't it <laughs> carbon fibre and Kevlar cushion then it wouldn't be a cushion.
2: Why it not? Needs to be, it needs Kevlar to be made, could be duff, quite duck down. I'm sorry.
3: No one's ducking down. What's that? Kevlar. Kevlar could be a fibre. So you can have a, you can fill it with a okay. fibrous Kevlar and a, and a carbon fibre weave that hasn't been set.
2: Hmm. You could have water cushions. Or hemorrhoid hemorrhoi cushion. Plasma cushions.
3: A plasma cushion. That sounds like something out of uh, in Star Trek.
1: Richie Stanaway uh, won the second race ahead of. Marcello, and Sergei Sirotkin was in third place. Still not driving for Sauber, I noticed. Yeah, I know, but even Still so, well done, Richie. Another Kiwi victory.
2: Mm. Anyway, back to these 18-inch rims, which yes. GP2 was running at Monaco. For yeah. two laps,
3: and uh, Formula 3.5 are evaluating for next year, and are likely to be uh, the m- really hot discussion topic on the uh, tender for the three-year supply from seventeen eighty 18, and 19 for F1. Yeah. whether Michelin will come and have a go at Pirelli and Pirelli have been going oh and they've, suddenly had to, they've sort of change now They're going no we'll do it as well
2: Michelin will be running 18 inch uh, wheels in full time in Renault uh, 3.5 next season so oh If really? with quite the evaluating. current cars? if, um, if Renault That's agree but uh, Renault what do
1: they run at the moment? do they run 13s? Yeah,
2: 13 or, three, 13s, 13 or yeah. 14s yeah um, see uh, there's got to be a way where you and could Renault th- will agree if Formula 1 goes that way And obviously if Formula 1 doesn't go that way Then uh, there's no point because You're not learning point, anything uh, Exactly yeah. but, uh, No, no, Michelin I understand have, that Have the uh, tyres ready to go The point is that when they
3: finally get them sorted out They're going to be quicker a low-profile tyre with a suspension that's controllable and not on a, a bouncy sidewall is going to be more effective than it is currently.
1: And what are they talking about at the moment is about what's the issue they have They don't have mechanical grip through corners. Mm-hmm. So they're relying too much on aero. Hang on a second. Didn't I say this last week? So you're <clears throat> relying too much on aero, particularly frontal aero, so you can't get close to people. And as soon as you get close to people, you wash out, you get aero push, and you root your front tyres. There is a single-seater series running agent in trims. And what would that be, Nick? Formula E. And they're street tyres. I know. And the, that was a that was another race this weekend that was terrible. That was, do you know what? I turned that on and uh, I don't know Maybe how many people. No, I turned it on and it was the overhead camera underneath the canopy. Yeah, it was a flippy one, yeah. Which I thought, I went, I actually looked at it and thought, oh, there's RC racing on television. I thought was <laughs> indoors somewhere. Yes, that's, that's, it, a, that's a positive thought by the one <laughs> um, it would have been better <laughs>
3: I got I was watching it and I just got fed up with fan boost in the fan suddenly boost is, it's,
1: is very interesting no well, we need to get Eve it's basically, Eve talk it's about
3: basically crowd crowdsource cheating
2: no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, mm, well, it yeah. is. You
3: get, you get you 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 but do it. not
2: cheating because w- it's allowed in the rules. Yeah, all right then, it's legalized.
3: But no, but it's unfair. Isn't it? It's, it's not it's the 17 drivers who haven't got it are unfair disadvantaged because they haven't got a social media presence or they don't come from the right country more often than not.
2: Mm. They they, they need to improve their social media presence. What they need to improve what? The the,
3: what they need to improve what country they come from? Everyone's, is all the Brazilians are voting the Brazilian drivers. So Sebastian Vettel has to come from Brazil. How, how has he come from Brazil? How does he stop going from the Switzerland? which doesn't really engage with
0: things. The news that no one is talking about. The stories that aren't reported anywhere else. And for valid editorial reasons. Pointless press release of the week on Midweek Motorsport.
2: So that jingle is uh, pointless press release of the week. Uh, The first of possibly more than one this week, depending on how much time we have. uh, This is early. It is early. uh, Because uh, it comes off uh, the back of my point about Williams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who uh, yesterday, uh, and obviously not yesterday, because uh, this press release uh, uh, started last here. week, is uh, hosted a event that saw the first public demonstration of a salt powered vehicle. You just read that is yesterday, didn't you? You just didn't you didn't realise when it
1: was said to you. It's salt. A salt powered vehicle.
2: Yes. Uh, developed by a British uh, company called Faradian, mm-hmm. right? Uh, in collaboration with Williams and Oxford University,
3: right. Sorry, this is like cooking salt, or the, the salt which is opposite to a base or an acid in chemistry.
2: Like, um, like salt which contains sodium. Right. Salt, salt, water-powered things
1: have been around for a while.
2: Yes. Right. This is a bike rather than a car. Right, okay. Um, And uh, is uh, for a uh, disruptive technology in low carbon vehicles.
1: Ooh, disruptive technology. We like disruptive technology. Is this anything to do with the company Quant, who had a vehicle at Geneva this year?
2: No. So, the base materials for these batteries are more easily sourced than those needed for lithium-ion batteries, because lithium is uh, in quite short supply. And
1: comes from only very few places in the world.
2: Yes.
3: Some of them are unpleasant.
2: Yes. (laughs) Yes. Whereas uh, sodium, obviously, uh, is made from common salt, uh, which is uh, available everywhere, including here in the UK.
3: which means that
2: we can uh, make these batteries here in the uk hooray for salty batteries hang on a second salt batteries sodium
1: batteries this is not new technology at all is it nick it doesn't sound pretty new sodium
3: carbonate sodium yeah but I, i thought carbon carbon was coming anyway
2: i think carbon carbon is very dangerous Why? I have a feeling that carbon-carbon will get very hot and uh, spontaneously combust quite a lot.
3: Okay, well, that's, that's, that's Tim from the naysayers and the Luddites group there. <laughs> I, try
2: you it watch it happen.
3: Well, I don't want to watch it happen because I want to get burnt.
2: <laughs> exactly, you get burnt enough by batteries.
1: I have been. I've, I've, I've been shot
2: at by battery, exploded. That was quite amusing. Was a shotgun. Going so this on, is literally.
1: a sodium iron battery that we're talking about.
2: So yes. Okay. Okay, very or interesting. 48 cells making up a battery for this particular bike. Right. Um, so, so you,
3: do you just fill it back up with more salt water or do
2: you just do something else to it? Well, presumably they aren't telling us that because uh, then other people would copy the idea.
4: Oh, okay.
3: Well, it's not very really difficult. I think. The, well, but it's not a
2: difficult idea. Are we
1: talking about, hang on though, are we talking about this as being a storage uh, mechanism or a, um, a generation application? Because presumably what we're talking about is just a different way to store power that you, st- excuse me, store energy that you have generated in another way. It's this isn't yeah, something so that's that how, is that's an what
2: batteries op- do, isn't it?
1: Yes, that's what I'm so. It's it's not a fuel cell. No, we're talking about something that stores energy in an electric form, and then you can disperse it
2: as as required. Uh, these cells offer a comparable lifetime to lithium-ion products. Right. Mm-hmm. What's their voltage? Well,
1: well I've seen the... sodium-ion cells with a voltage of six, anything, three, three yes. volts, or three point six
2: volts. Uh, William said uh, we have a history of innovation in lithium-ion battery technology for a range of different applications uh, including Formula E and the Jaguar CX75
1: which never which isn't going to be which never happened yes
2: so got, they have got
3: innovative it's never going to happen and something's out of date I well think well they're done. going
1: to build one aren't they
3: are they? what, for being the Bond film?
1: no, that's something else there's
2: a, a different car in the Bond film um, okay, moving Surely on. the Bond film has got to be an Aston Martin, hasn't it? No, they have Jags. now. They, they still have Jags as drags well the bannies, for the baddies. Yeah. Oh, for the bad guys, yes. Uh,
1: you're listening to Midweek Mortage Sport. It is uh, Series 10, Episode 22. By the way, thank you very much for the kind words on the Tora Racing Show last Thursday. It is available in its... Uh, Entire, full <laughs> it means
2: podcasted form.
1: Yes, in the podcasted form, it's on, all there all the time. It's all there all the time. Yes, it absolutely is. Um, so, shall we move on to a guest? Shall we move or on? Have you got bikes? something else? Yes, go on, do bikes, and I'll stand. I'll stand our guest. Uh, I'll stand uh, in by.
2: Then our guest can join us after. Still to come in about seven minutes' time. Okay. Uh, what is? Uh, possibly the the greatest bike endurance race uh, in the world the Suzuka 8 hours the The Suzuka 8 hours is a correct answer who's not going to be there Valentino Rossi me is a correct answer who else is not going to be there Jorge Lorenzo Jorge Lorenzo
3: Mark Marquez None of the not right, none yeah. of the
2: Mortal GP guys. I think a couple of them. So, uh, who will uh, be racing the Yamahas in the Suzuka Eight Hours? Uh, Bradley Smith is racing one, Smith? one of them. Smith? Is he yes. really? Um, but beyond that, I don't know. Do you remember we had Bradley Smith on this show when he was about fourteen, some many years ago?
3: Uh, I don't actually, but I'm sure you did. Is it one of the Aspar uh, asparagus guys, or oh, be the other Tech Three driver, which one is Paul, it, Paul? Why is
1: that now Tech Three and not Tech 3, as it used to be? Because we've gone all English, haven't we? It's very naughty. Right. Okay.
3: Now they are Tech to themselves, I'm sure, but we used to call them Tech Three.
2: So
1: which is it? It's Paul, is it? Yeah.
2: Yes. The one who doesn't. He doesn't Aspar yeah. Asparago. And uh, Katsuyuki Nakatsugo oh, who is yeah. a uh, Suzuka specialist.
1: Where he's the All Japan Road Race champion, is he not? In the in this Japanese Superbike 1000 class,
2: I think you'll find. Uh, why did people think that Rossi and Lorenzo might be doing it? Wishful thinking. Uh, it was because actually, Yamaha have got a proper, proper work squad. Well, the fact that there's a proper Yamaha work squad. and Also, uh, last month, uh, Valentino Rossi said, I would really like to race with Jorge. It would be very interesting and fun.
1: It's more than a decade since Yamaha have had a factory team in this race, guys. That's why everybody. And when it was announced that it was the uh, the factory team, everybody presumed that those guys would be involved in it in some way, shape, and form.
2: Back to uh, MotoGP though, and uh, Andrea Yanone yep. has uh, had his uh, shoulder fixed.
1: Everybody, well, as the two Asparagors
2: as well. As Everyone's we fixing everything. But Everybody, then, yes, quickly, he, let's get it done quickly. Then he found something else wrong with him, didn't he? He, he has a different injury now, yes. Mm. <laughs> this week <laughs> I'm mostly suffering with my arm or my leg or something. It's his arm, yes. Mm. It was a nasty surprise,
3: he said. He's broken his arm at the same time. So basically bits are falling off these riders, not even noticing.
2: Yes. He did say it was a nasty surprise, though. Uh, the swelling still causes me a lot of pain, and I continue mm. to do laser therapy in an attempt to get it to go down. <laughs> right, but he's still going to race. The only—he's well, f- he, Italian, he, of course—he's going to race in Italy. He, uh, yes, he—he just—what he, he dis- did he do? Dislocate his shoulder. Fractured his, his shoulder. shoulder. Right, and so he and had now that he just Fractured on his elbow. Yeah, and he—and
1: he, and he was still in pain. So they did an MRI scan and found a hairline fracture but a fracture nonetheless mm. right at the top of his humerus which is where all the pressure goes on to when you break it. he did, did, did the last race no the wonder he was in pain I, these guys are different class absolutely different class sorry carry on I, I have nothing but absolute total and utter respect for bike racers mm-hmm. they
2: are cast from a different mould they really are can you believe it's <laughs> nearly 20 years since we had a MotoGP race in Indonesia? That's when they used to fall off on the snakes, isn't it? It is. <laughs> I
1: slipped <laughs> on a snake. It's true.
2: It is I absolutely know. true. We have the video to prove it. <laughs> yes, I
1: know. I know. Even now, the collective are scrambling <laughs> for the I slipped on a snake video. Yes, yeah,
3: It rattled him a bit. hey. <laughs> hey.
1: <laughs>
2: Uh, so, next year...
1: Certainly wasn't a boring
3: race. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Um,
2: next year, uh, uh, MotoGP will return to Central. They must have improved. It Under some Cento constrictions, though. obviously. Oh, very good. Yes.
3: <laughs> uh, well, you know, it's a, it's a poisonous place, you know. Uh,
2: they said the track would need upgrading in order to rejoin the MotoGP uh, calendar. Uh, but... The goal is achievable for the country. <laughs> India will have the race if they fulfil all the requirements.
3: You know why? They're going fangs for the memory.
2: Yeah. Very <laughs> good. Very good. Oh,
3: so, <laughs> anyway, so they come back. That's good because it's, it's, it's
1: fantastic. <laughs> I assume they're
3: going to double header it with uh, Thailand, are they? Could do. With that new Thai track out in the middle of nowhere. Burinam. Burinam. It's very Well
1: done. 21 race calendar, though, next season. That You know what? All joking aside, we were talking about vale Ro- Valentino Rossi and, you know, how are those guys going to stay fit for that kind of, it's, stay it's,
3: uninjured, yeah. it's
1: almost going to come down to don't fall off, don't get injured, don't miss around. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's going to have to be dropped scores, isn't it? I mean, this that mm-hmm. that is a punishing calendar. It's it's quite a constricted. Oh sorry, I've could used that they, word again. It's quite a tight could season. Could they not again? just drop some of the Italian,
3: some of the Spanish rounds? I mean, oh, the yeah. sixty-four rounds. There's only seven of them, isn't there? Some of the hundred and seven Spanish rounds. Yeah, I think there's four, isn't there? Or five? Mm. There's Jerez, Barcelona, Aragon, Valencia. somewhere else, and Valencia. yeah, Yes,
2: four. Palma, May still? well
3: be. There's because there's Spain, Europe, Catalan, and just the MotoGP of Aragon. Yes. <laughs> They ran out of, they ran out of names to call it uh,
1: come on quickly before the top of the hour we need to get in world Superbikes as well then uh, that was
2: Donington park and uh, park uh, everybody's uh, sent me loads of uh, press releases about it Some of course... we ha-
1: top five at one stage were British uh, riders running that it's a real once it is a real um, glory days again for British Riders And mm. at the end of the weekend, Johnny Rears extended his lead over Leon Haslam now in second place. That's
3: because Tom Sykes won both rounds. And I think Johnny was second and third or, or second twice. And Sykes has now won the last six races at Donington.
2: Uh, and Chas Brown, Davis in
1: fourth position in the championship. Sorry, Bobby go ahead.
2: Brown uh, won in the Ducati Tree Options Cup. Mm-hmm. Really excellent. And... Uh, Kyle Smith crashed out of the world Superport race, according to his press release. Superport? Oh, that's fantastic, <laughs> <Yeah>. that is. <laughs> it is fantastic. So, pass a Honda, you need to uh, invest in a new spell, or Pell Checker. Pell Chucker. <laughs> I uh, quite love a Superport race, you know. Superport, yeah. You, 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 you could yeah, definitely you see, do that at uh, Valencia, couldn't you? You start,
3: you start on the Madeira uh, build-up races, and then you...
1: <laughs> I, 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 perhaps... Did you see the, the race at the weekend from Donald? No. No. Um... I watched both of them, and uh, the they, they weren't bad. The first half, two-thirds maybe even, of the second race was was particularly good. Um, but I'm afraid Sykes was just too good for everybody, and he just did ride off into the distance. He was just outstanding. I uh, talked to somebody on, uh, well, in fact, I was talking to Bob Dawson, uh, brilliant Bob, uh, our technician for Le Mans and other stuff, who was, uh, running, who runs all of that uh, sort of stuff up at Donington now. Um, decent crowd, uh, very decent crowd. A little bit of bad weather on Sunday morning, had the, the race day crowd down, but there was a lot of people up there camping. Uh, and I was speaking to someone from Fiat, who were a big sponsor, of course, of World Superbikes. who was up there on Sunday, had a great day. Um, it is, it's amazing, isn't it, how the atmosphere of... MotoGP GP and Superbike have changed since they've been under the same, under the control of the same people. Nick, it's, it's it actually works mm. much better when they're not trying to compete against each yeah, other.
3: Yeah, but I think that, yeah, there is a there's an interesting thing about yeah, it's great for the Brits to be doing so well. What, what, why is no one else sending any riders into the series? Are they all stuck on the mill that is MotoGP?
2: Have they all realised that World Superbikes is going nowhere?
1: Well, <laughs> well, you've got Quinterly and Bioko bai- there who aren't bad. Van der Mark has clearly got something in a young man. He's got something to come through the, the Honda rider who spoiled the British podium at uh, uh, in the Dutch round, didn't he? Um, uh, earlier on in the season. But it, it is... I mean, if you look through the Super Pool runners, I mean, the top five in Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl points are all Brits. The top three in the best lap awards are all Brits. The top four in the championship... Are all bits. In fact, five, no, uh, six out of the top eight, with Alex Laws in eighth position. On the, uh, the Suzuki, Suzuki did better at the weekend. Crescent Suzuki did a bit better at the weekend, which is nice to see them uh, having a little go with. But what you can't deny, Nick, is if you look at the top, even at the top of the championship, although they're all Brits, it's two Kawasaki's, Aprilia, Ducati, and Honda as well in there with Suzuki and eighth. you've got a decent spread of the manufacturers and that's keeping the manufacturers yeah, I mean, happy
3: I mean the Kawasaki's got a, an advantage at the moment but that, as we know it's a and of course there's a brand new Yamaha next year mm. uh, the R1 didn't come out in time to be run
1: into
0: this year's championship uh,
1: all right uh, we're over just about over time for this
0: Midweek Motorsport. There's still another hour of this nonsense.
1: So, still to come in the second hour of tonight's programme, we're going to try and get hold of Race.com's Marshall Pro to talk about the 99th running of the Indianapolis 500. Oh, Not a bad
2: race.
1: I'm sure you have. Uh, Nick Damon will stay with us as well. Possibly another... Um, Pointless. pointless press of the week thank you Tim I'm sorry I, I'm getting tired and we haven't had them on yet uh, and uh, we <laughs> will be uh, yeah really the, uh, we'll also be looking at some more news uh, but next we will be joining the man from Shed S.H.E.D the Supreme Headquarters Endurance Directive yes it's the editor of DailySportsCar.com Graham Goodwin next on RadioLamont.com on Midway Motorsports <laughs>
0: Midweek Motorsport on Radiolamon.com
1: So welcome to the second hour of the program. It is Midweek Motorsport Series 10 episode 22 and uh, nips, n- Nick has nipped off for a cup of coffee but Graham Goodwin editor of daily sportcar car.com which I put my teeth in, in a minute uh, joins us uh, from SHED. Uh, good evening
5: Graham. Good evening, everybody. How are you?
1: Uh, Well, I'm very well, very well indeed. We've been talking about what a busy weekend of racing it was just before you joined us, and still plenty to talk about uh, in terms of sports cars and endurance racing as well. But before we look back, we really have to start thinking about the coming weekend as well, because, of course, it's the first time that you... And anybody else, in fact, are going to see all four of the hybrid runners from the works teams together on a track in competitive-ish situations because it's the Le Mans test day on Sunday and uh, no, no little interest in this this year because... It is likely to be one of the closest races for years, and I'm just wondering what we think we might find out this weekend live uh, here on Mobile One, Radio Le Mans, and on 91.2 FM around the circuit. Who's going to be giving anything away? Will there be sandbags, or is the time on the track too precious to waste?
5: Uh, no the I, I've actually got uh, some secret spy pictures at the moment at Calais Beach <laughs> you know, with various people actually loading bags as we speak now I, th- I think we'll find a little bit out uh, it's going to need the mighty brain of the wizard of Woking I think to unpick the, uh, the the picture but I don't think we're going to be seeing anybody really showing their hand. Uh, we'll certainly see how far the cars can go on a tank of gas. We'll certainly see have a fair idea of what the tyre wear situation might be for those looking carefully, and that's something for the Noble One Red Le crew to be looking at down in pit lane. Um, and, of course, I think the highlight for most fans is that we're going to have the first opportunity in the public gaze to see the Nissan GTR LM Nismos running uh, and uh, you know, as you'll have seen earlier this week, John, uh, there will be three of them there.
1: Yes, uh, and this is you know, this is great news. We spoke to Darren Cox, the man at the head of Nismo Worldwide at the Nurburgring 24, and I deliberately asked Darren some of the rumours that. We're going around. I'm not going to repeat those now, but I wanted to give him a chance.
5: Was, it, res- the one about, was it the one about him and farm animals?
1: <laughs> I deliberately wanted to give him the opportunity to respond directly to some of the more um, outlandish uh, rumours that have been going around about what is and isn't happening. As luck would have it, he told us they would be in the up to two megajoule category, which I think we probably guessed, but that was an exclusive uh, at the time.
2: Well, Three we, cars- can I just interject here?
1: Yes. You have
2: yes. We thought it was an exclusive. Darren mm. told us it was an exclusive, mm-hmm. but much later, I found mm. a press release from Nismo, which had been sent out on a Friday, which said to uh, they're going to be in that category.
1: Well, well, there we go. So
2: we just hadn't read the press release. Was well, neither had anybody else.
1: In fairness, including Darren Cox. <laughs> well, but because everybody. Flocked like moths around a flame to uh, to that. The uh... we, get, we get
5: that a lot though, John. Well, indeed. It. Um, you
1: know, it, it's good to see that the guys have decanted to Silverstone uh, and are uh, in fact yesterday were meant to shake down a couple of the cars on the circuit. It, it didn't quite happen as planned, but again, we're not reading too much into that. There will be three Nissan uh, GT RLMs. Uh, at the track for pre-test. Now, do they have scrutineering for the test? Graham? Yes,
4: they do.
5: Yes, right. the cars are scrutineered uh, for the test. In fact, uh, just uh, trying to find see whether or not we can find a timetable for that scrutineering, either for the test day or indeed That D goes for on
1: at the at the track on Saturday. Of the track. It does in, the,
5: in effect where part Fermé uh, would be for the race. That tends to be where the. Um, the scrutineering is done, and it'll be at Pit Out. Again, as Darren, I think, pretty exclusively told us, uh, unless he put a press release out about that as well, um, (laughs) that uh, they'll be at Pit Out Yeah. uh, this time. They are in the
1: lane of shame, the row of war, um, but deliberately so, because he thinks there's the only advantage is to be right at the front of Pit Lane or right at the back of Pit Lane, therefore they've took the the three at the end of Pit Lane.
5: They have indeed, and uh, you know, is uh, firmly focused on this now being a racing program. Uh, you know, around all the the, uh, the the chatter about marketing and blah blah blah. Now, honestly, come on, guys, who cares? Race time. Yeah. Um, you know, they're they're going to make a splash. There's no doubt whatsoever about that. It's a spectacular looking thing. Uh, I think it's fair to say that Darren was um, talking down a little the competitive aspect of this run at the Le Mans 24 Hours. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's wait and see. Um, I just have an inkling there might be a surprise or two in store. Well, I know there's at least one surprise in store. Um, but <laughs> let's wait Let's wait and see what we see and when we see it. Uh, I do not expect them to be at or close to the top of the timing screens uh, at the test day. I think it'll be softly, softly, catchy monkey for... Well,
1: it's going the, to be a test day for them.
5: Well, it is. I mean, A really real test day. I think it will be certainly the first time the third car has turned a wheel other than possibly the brief of just shakedowns if they're lucky. And, um, you know, for those lovers of uh, Le Mans tradition, I think it's just possible uh, if you turn your heads towards the Le Mans aerodrome that you might just see a Nissan running there.
1: Uh, Nick Dermin having to leave us now and head to home. So my thanks to him uh, for this evening. Um, the other things that we're going to see this weekend, of course... Uh, at least you're going to see this weekend and we're going to report here on mobile1 radiolemoncom and around the track at 91.2 FM and there will be that FM transmitter uh, at the track if you're going down there this weekend a very good opportunity to get close to the cars actually particularly if you can't go to the big race itself. But if you can, and you've got your tickets, don't forget, your tickets get you in. Your race tickets they do. get you in to the... Still,
5: John, John the this, is still, this is still the biggest bargain, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I agree. World Motorsport. A general admission ticket at, uh, at Le Mans, I don't know what it's it's gone up to this year, but whatever it is, traditionally, it's been of eye-watering cheapness compared to, uh, you know, your bang for your buck uh, elsewhere. And, you know, honestly, I think you said this about uh, the Nürburgring, John, but uh, it applies equally here. If you can get to this race, get to this race. You will not regret it. No. It is going to be uh, one of the ages, this one.
1: No, I uh, I completely and utterly agree. It, it's I don't think it's €50 Euros for a general admission ticket. Um, I'll tell
5: you what, while, while we're talking, I'll check.
1: Um, uh, here we go. I can tell you now. Uh, it is, in fact... I tell a lie. It is for the circuit general admission. 72. It it is for the Benz enclosure. It's 40 pounds uh, for the whole stand weekend. So Benz enclosure is Mulsanne and Arnage. For the whole circuit standing for the weekend, it's 79 pounds. So there you go. You, you, You can't buy a test day ticket, um, on its own it's either free or you get in with your 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 weekend ticket. There you go. So really? that's yeah. Um simple as that. Uh, I, I think that's phenomenal. Circuit uh, general admission.
5: Uh, seventy five euros.
1: Yeah. Okay. Seventy five euros. Forty quid, yeah, that's right. Uh so as I said, I mean you can drive down to Le Mans from the channel ports uh, in four hours now, four and a half, five hours if you take it really easy. So it is it is doable to get up on Saturday uh, and drive down to Le Mans. You will be able to find a hotel somewhere nearby, uh, certainly if you're prepared to be an hour away, um, northbound somewhere... <laughs>
5: No, no, John, John, you're missing the point entirely. Sleep in the car! Sleep in the car! True enough.
1: It's fine. You know, watch the, cars, watch the cars on Sunday, bail out middle of the afternoon, and you can be back home before midnight from um, most parts of the UK. Um, it is doable, uh, and if you've already got your tickets for the full race, go down there. It will be the first day, as I say, the first time we will have seen the low drag, low downforce, call them what you will, the Le Mans body kits for Toyota and Porsche, and on the evidence, of course, of Spa and Audi's running at Spa, my goodness, they need them.
5: Well, they do. It's going to have to be, you know, basically, I think what we've probably seen since Spa is they'll have had another look at the uh, the uh, low-drag body kits they've got, they'll have rubbed them down, I'm sure, with vegetable oil as well to make them slipperier still, because I, I, you know what, you, John, you and I have had the conversation about what perhaps we're expecting in terms of speed and lap time. And even there, there's there's some unknowns. There's talk perhaps of night see all-time records go. Certainly we're expecting... Not this weekend. Be, I'll tell you no, now. No, not this weekend. No, not this weekend. But certainly we're expecting the cars to be quicker than last year. The difference, I guess the question is how much quicker and where. Um, but beyond that, it's the sheer depth of it that the fact that we've got four factory teams, three of which are fielding three cars each plus, plus the newly re-engine rebellions and the CLM in LMP one, uh, epic, um, you know, field of LMP twos, uh, great field of GT cars as well. It, it is hands down one of the best, if not one of, if not the best Le Mans grid this century. Um, Last
1: week, we didn't get to talk about a couple of things. I mentioned one of them right at the end. Um, We were talking quite a lot about GT3, obviously, last weekend. And um, one of the things I didn't get to talk to you about, though, I mentioned right at the end of the programme, is the Porsche GT3 car. Big selling point. It's got a direct injection engine, although we think it hasn't run with that yet. Um, That programme is meant to have cars with customers... By the end of September, is that still doable, do you think?
5: Uh, we'll have to double-check that, no, because I thought the, the debut for the car is going to be at Daytona next year.
1: That's the public debut.
5: The public debut. <laughs> um, one quick thing, by the way, before we move on from GT3s, which is um, for those people going to Le Mans... You will get a pretty unique opportunity. Yeah,
1: I was going to come onto that
5: to see uh, GT3 cars at speed at the one this year with the uh, the Aston Martin race mm. uh, racing against. By the way, um, I think it's three GT2 or GTE spec cars. So, mm-hmm. okay, drivers can uh, drivers willing, etc. But so uh, we should get an opportunity to see what those cars are capable of. And there's a couple of decent peddlers in those GT3 cars as well. But and what, I'm still gonna... trying
1: to get a drive in that. <laughs> <laughs> so there'll be what... a, if the, if I do, there'll be a non-decent peddler
4: uh, there, in there as
1: well. <laughs> but I tell you but... what, I would take a GT3 out round uh, Le Mans or a GT4. It's not a chance in hell that you would get me in a GT2 car. That. That is, that's beyond my capabilities. GT3 car, I will take. I will take. Uh, The other GT3 story that I didn't get through to last week was the Corvette GT3 story that I wanted to to talk about with you. So before we go very much further, tell me about Corvette GT3.
5: Well, it's been delayed, but the first thing to say is Corvette GT3 is not a Pratt Miller car. It's actually built by Callaway Competition in Germany. And, uh, and what a f-
1: fine history of Callaway Corvettes oh, at Le Mans there are, by the way. As
5: absolutely. Well. I mean, certainly in my early years at Le Mans, they were, they were up there and class contenders, uh, you know, the likes of Alma et etc, who oddly enough, I think I th- saw at the weekend. Um, but uh, they then had a bit of a flirtation with GT1, mm-hmm. with a the Callaway, they think, called the C7, and rather bizarrely, we've come full circle, and it's the C7R uh, version of the, corvettes in gt3 spec that were signed off if i'm right john in terms of their ability to or rather their permission to go and do this at daytona last year correct um and then there's been a delay but now we're looking like we're getting towards a stage where callaway will be able to roll out a car or two um towards the end of this year with a few to get the thing on track in 2016 and it I'm not quite sure here whether or not we should be kind of thinking along those lines of that w- word I use a lot, mouth-watering, or slightly concerned because there's so much new machinery coming in GT3. It's, uh, it's at almost ludicrous levels. We talked, I know, uh, you know, at the wrap-up of the Nürburgring about the four major German makes coming forward with their new cars, with the R8 already on track, the new Mercedes-Benz, due to debut at some point later this year the same with the bmw the same as we just discussed briefly about the porsche we've got the corvettes and we've got others as well due for a bit of a refresh um it's a huge market and there's huge opportunities but i'm beginning to worry that we might just see the odd project fall off the end here
4: yeah yeah.
5: And that's before we talk about the one that uh, other people out there in the media think is dead and isn't.
1: Which is the Jaguar, presumably. Yes, indeed. Uh, far from dead. Um,
5: is... uh, never, never has been dead, never been close to being dead.
1: No. An... Uh, what
5: we don't know is what it is, what we don't know is when it's going to come. When you what say, say what know... it is,
1: whether it's GT3 or GTE. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. It's been. I think it's been both at various stages of its life, and that sounds bizarre. I don't mean that they have built two cars. I mean that the project has been evaluated in both forms. Um, I, I I know that they were. Um, I know that they were very close to doing something in GT3 and then backed away from it. That was when they were starting to look again. I think once, in fact, similar story to McLaren, actually, in terms Mm -hmm. of, except the opposite way around, McLaren, as we reported last week, had a GTE car, put that on ice because the convergence talks looked like they might happen, and therefore, why would you build a GTE when you had a GT3? Jaguar were the other way around. They had a GT3 car. It looked like it was going to happen because there was going to be convergence. Then convergence falls apart. Hmm. Maybe we should have a look at a GTE car. And so there's it's it's the sort of the same story but in reverse, a mirror image if you like, uh, um, of of the McLaren side of thing, but not dead. And rumours persist that there is a test mule in some shape or form that has run at this point, point. Uh, and that's been some time
5: now. Months, months.
1: Now, I don't know because I haven't talked to you off air about this and I don't expect you to say on air, sure. but I know quite a few people who aren't doing it in terms of preparation, houses, uh, design, potential people who could be taking on the design, development and potentially even running that car. I haven't found anybody who's prepared to admit to me, at least, that they have been involved in it. I don't know what your situation is, on on that side of things, and and no names, no pack drill, obviously.
5: I don't think we're at that stage, is the honest answer. I think we're still at conceptual stage. Um, I think there's a bit of a crossroads here for Jaguar. Um, Well, they certainly should do it. Why shouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? And I would say that, wouldn't I? But I think they're going to need to start to think about pressing the button pretty soon. Why? Well, because the F-Type's going to feel as if it's a slightly old car if they don't hurry up. And it most certainly would be based on the F-Type, is the information that I have. Um, but they need something. They genuinely do. And a uh, conversation I was having uh, over the weekend at the Pen Endurance Series race at Silverstone with someone in the marketplace here was, think about, I mean, I, have you driven an F-Type, John? Uh, no. Right. I know several people who have to a man and in one case woman they say it is a most fabulous sports car and then they all say the same thing next but it's a bit expensive yes now the problem there is that okay Jaguars traditionally have been a little cheaper than the other cars in the marketplace that's certainly that in my uh, my kind of uh, youth and I suspect that what we're beginning to lose here with Jaguar is a little bit of that Uh, fairy dust that's sprinkled on a premium product that justifies the price Mm. how do you how do you actually justify those kind of things you do it with heritage here's a mark that's got almost unrivaled sporting heritage but because they made a wrong turn some years ago with another part of motorsports it has scared the management witless about taking another wrong turn
1: although interestingly the new owners are very much the opposite direction um and you know uh, when mr tartar came and bought the firm and was told um you know had the presentation this is one of the greatest sports car uh, manufacturers in the world he said how can you be a sports car manufacturer when you don't race anything um, Yeah, and, and yeah. that that's a direct quote because i know if, because someone who was in the meeting told me um it's an interesting one um I think they're searching for an identity at the moment, and I think going back to racing wouldn't be the worst thing to do, of course, I'm bound to say that.
5: They've got a great product line, John, they've got a great product line, and as I say... If you I just can... don't think they say Jaguar, that's the um, issue. Well, maybe they're looking for Jaguar to, to mean something different, but uh, yeah. I can't believe they'd be prepared to abandon that hard-won heritage, It's something that you know, lots of other makes and models would love to have, and... You know, you're looking for somewhere to, to kind of break through in a crowded marketplace, a difficult marketplace at the top end. It would seem an extraordinary decision not to do something, but it's certainly alive. Uh, there are certainly projects out there um, and multiple projects out there at the moment where people are looking into GT racing. I mean, the other one that we haven't yet mentioned is Ford, and you'll have seen the same as I have with the, um, the test cars actually out on the streets. Uh, I think you were identifying the building that was in the background as K Tech. Were you not when we had a look uh, at those pictures?
1: Uh, it looked very much like it. If it if it wasn't, it was um uh it, it was something. I mean, there's a lot of trading yeah. type around Detroit like that, but it's ver- we look very very similar.
4: But we,
5: but we are getting close now to the point where we expect to get an announcement of that. We expect an announcement, or at least some direction on that uh, Ford GTE program at Le Mans. Um, During race week, Um, I've seen one timetable that gives a very clear indication that uh, that certainly Ford are going to be marked in some way, shape or form during that week. And I expect an invitation to a press conference at some point, too. So, you know, GT racing, it is a bit of a crossroads at the moment. Um, You know, we we talked uh, at length about uh, GTLM in IMSA. That I think is a separate debate where you've got at least two current gt3 manufacturers looking to potentially get gtlm homologation i think that's something that's quite worrying for the future of gte i think it's something that the aco and the manufacturers will want to grip because what you don't want to see is at a point where convergence would seem to be the answer for most people divergence appears to be the chosen option
1: yeah don't get me started uh, don't get me started. Um, the Right, okay. Um, so this weekend, Le Mans is the word in terms of what's happening in Europe. Uh, we've got IMSA uh, at Detroit. We've got Marshall Pruitt, uh, who I've just heard will be available uh, to us this evening. So we'll grab him for a bit of Indy uh, and uh, a look at that in a little while. At the weekend, we had Australian GT at Phillip Island. Ooh. Now, anybody who watched this last year on the very good stream, uh, and Creelsey's voice was uh, put to that. To good use at the weekend, Richard Creel, uh, one of our core uh, core commentators from our Bathurst 12 Hours uh, coverage here on RadioLamont.com. Um, again, a great note a great race to watch. It was uh, very early in the morning, but uh, viewing on demand on the internet made that easy to follow however this the news of or at least the talk of an Australian endurance series expanding the Australian GT championship won't go away Graham and this is this is significant for me.
5: Um, it absolutely is not going away and I gather from uh, our correspondent Semtakel over in Australia it was very much the talk of the paddock and um, I think our friends on Speed Cafe, great uh, Australian oh, uh, motorsport website, by the way, um, have already more or less confirmed that it's it's in development. I think it's just, again, John, it's a mark of what's going on with this expansion of GT racing and sports car racing. GT3 has proven popular. There's quite big grids across in Australia. We've seen uh, local teams providing fantastic support for the Bathurst 12 hours. This talk of SRO involving themselves... Uh, with an Asia Pacific series that may or may not include Bathurst, um, I think it's an emerging, um, it's an emerging picture. By the way, noticed on the results sheet, you, you may recall that we had a quick conversation about whether or not uh, something that was on Daily Sports Car might have been a misprint that said about Mark Focus V8s and the Australian GT Championship. Okay. Uh, well, one took part in the race at the weekend. Yeah. And so they are looking for ways to actually expand that grid. And I think that's the correct way forward as well. So we're beginning to see, I think, an emergent scene. We've had a quite a healthy GT programme, GT uh, Championship in, in Australia for some little time. I think they feel they've got some traction and now feel ready to kind of push forward to the next level. And it's not unlike John. What we have seen in the past in the British GT Championship, we had a period of time when it was all double-header uh, one-hour races. That started to lose its luster for some of the teams. We saw the likes of Brick Car getting some traction on the back of that, and SRO had to listen a little harder to what the. Uh, the teams in the British GT Championship were telling them, and we had the reintroduction of an overseas round, and we had the reintroduction of uh, standalone two- and three-hour races, because that's what the customer wants. If that's what the customer wants, you know what? They'll either get it for your own championship, or will go elsewhere, and I think that's exactly what's happening in Australia.
1: Uh, looking back to last weekend, a little closer to our homes, the Blanc Pan Endurance Series was at Silverstone, and... The Von Ryan McLaren took the victory. Um, not a, a decent race from everything I saw. I have to say I didn't follow it yeah. that closely. There was uh, other stuff on, and I was I was busy doing voice work and stuff like that in the studio. I had it kind of on in the background, but I was also watching the cricket and everything else that was going on at the weekend. Half a decent crowd there. Uh, yeah. Disappointingly, um, no FM. A lot of people reporting no FM there, but as I explained, Silverstone probably only get 28 FM days across the whole year, so they've got to be a bit careful what they use them for. Um, you know, But a series that does keep on delivering and delivering decent racing.
5: Yeah, I think so. I mean, it was, uh, it was a great-looking paddock, fantastic-looking grid. I'll come back to one uh, criticism, I'm afraid, on that one in a moment, but fantastic-looking grid, really varied. Teams of high quality, drivers of high quality. Great run from the uh, Von Ryan team to win with uh, Rob Bell, uh, Kevin Estre and uh, Shane van Gisbergen. Great signing there for uh, Von Ryan and for McLaren this year. Uh, They played the tactical game uh, early in the race and it gave them clear air and away they went. There were some fantastic drives uh, up and down the field, uh, not least from in the early part of the race from Wolfgang Reep. Uh, drove away from the field until there was a clash with the race leading pole setting RJN Nissan GT Academy uh, GTR, um, and then a problem in the pit stop as a result of that meant the car uh, had a clutch issue and couldn't restart easily, dropped them right back down the order. So that ruined the race for that Nissan. Uh, we did, though, see um, the, uh, a Nissan on the podium in Pro Am behind the class winning uh aston martin but for me one of the rate of the runs of the race was the third nissan it wasn't the RGN cars it was the baby blue um mrs gt car with a famous sports car racing name amongst the three in fact let's face it three pretty well known sports car racing names craig dolby uh, started the race 22nd yeah, very the quietly without any hiss uh, absolutely yeah. no hiss at all no background noise Yeah, and 22nd uh, on the, the grid after a problem in qualifying and, and I'll come back again to one of the reasons for that it's the same reason I want to come back to the entry um, handed over to Sean Sean, now yeah. Sean has had a fair amount of flack actually for his form prior to actually getting into uh, I think it's you know, it's just one of these kind of lead weights that people with a famous name carry with them uh, I have to tell you this guy's one to watch.
1: Why? No, I, I, I commentated on him in Genetis.
5: He was uh, stunning. In, in, oh, did I not? No,
1: that was Fergus Walkinshaw. That was Fergus ah, Walkinshaw. You're absolutely yeah. right.
5: Well, okay. Well, Sean, I mean, basically what we what we got here, at one point in the race, albeit with pit stops uh, during the rounds, the car was up to second position from 22nd on the grid, um, and the car finished from memory. Was it fifth? It was fifth. Uh, Martin Plowman uh, in the car at the end of the race and losing his brakes towards the very end. But a really spectacular run from that team. Uh, but the main point I wanted to raise here, and it shouldn't take anything away from the quality of the racing because it was of a very uh, high nature indeed, is it was 62 cars for the, um, the entry. 61, I think, started the race after we lost a Kessel Ferrari with an off um, in practice. And that's too many. I'm sorry to say, it's too many for that track, and it's darn well too many for that pit lane. Uh,
1: which is a shame, as you It is say. a shame. So yep. is, is that is that a typical, um, uh, what I was I going to say, victim of its own success, then?
5: Uh, well, I think so. Uh, but, uh, you know, I guess the question, and if, if Stefan or any of his team were actually on this broadcast, I think I'd ask them a direct question, which is, you know we've got a fine tradition, not one I'm a particular fan of, I have to tell you. In uh, the Blonde Pound Sprint series of a qualifying race and a championship race, I think it's time we had a qualifying race for that main race. And I know that's difficult because uh. you've got people paying a lot of money, but I almost think you're at a stage where there's almost a rally cross format looming here with an A final and a B final uh, because it's too many cars on track, you know, and there were too many clashes as a result of that. And the nightmare scenario was if we got a heavy shower of rain in the middle of a stint and everybody hit the pit lane at once and it was it was just too crowded. It, it, it was uh, not a pleasant place to be on that front. As I say, shouldn't get away from the fact, massively successful format, massively successful in terms of the, the level of teams and drivers that are getting involved here. But it's all GT3 cars, which at full tilt, of course, have got a pretty similar pace. But it has to be said despite the fact that some very smart stuff been going on in the world of SRO to do with things like bronze tests and uh, taking on the Sean Edwards Foundation model for safety testing, there was uh, some driving of, how can we put this, um, questionable quality during that race. On a track that was that crowded, almost inevitably, that was going to mean contact at some point.
1: Mm, Okay. Um, Before we let you go, just a couple of... uh... Just a couple of other stuff. I've got very quiet in my own ears there. Hang on a second. That's better. Only in uh, your own ears. Yes, no, that's right. Uh, just a couple of other bits and pieces that uh, are going on, Graham. Um, as we uh, come round to uh, test it, we, we've now got a full grid. We talked about this the other week, that there was one or two things that were still to be done. But there's there's no surprises at Le Mans this weekend. A couple of people just asking uh, that on Twitter, at Spectertainment, at Radio Le Mans. This evening? Uh,
5: no, I mean certainly unless something comes right out the woodwork. There's been all sorts of rumour and speculation about, you know, this team won't be there or that team won't be there. It's been remarkably stable this year. We've only lost one car from the yeah. original entry, and that was the second, or rather the first, Sauber and uh, Morgan. Uh, so, though you know, the the, you know, the poor devils that were sitting kind of high and uh, you know, feeling pretty good about sitting in second or third position on the reserve list. Some of those will be at the test, of course. Yes, some of those cars, and waiting to see if anybody hits trouble or anything else um but including we should mention two lmp3 cars well yeah, and and th- that's
1: the on. other thing i just wanted to bring up because a couple of people have have tweeted in about that that they are going down this weekend uh they'll be able to listen on uh, 91.2 fm mobile one radio le Mans, around the circuit and our exclusive coverage here on radio there are no other live broadcasts from anywhere from anybody uh, we will be trackside Graham Goodwin part of the team this weekend with Joe Bradley Jim Roller and Shea Adam um, they are confused because they can see LMP3 cars on the on the test day entry um, but that doesn't mean they'll be in the race of course Graham
5: no they won't, uh, No, they're, they're still very new they're unproven uh, in real endurance racing although obviously team lnt had a crack at the uh, silverstone t- uh, 24 hours uh, with one car but uh, what this is is i think it's a sign of confidence in the format it gives the opportunity for these teams to monetize their investment in the new cars um, but it is i think you know it is simply that it's an opportunity for people um you know inexperienced sportsmen like uh, sir chris hoy for instance uh, to actually have an opportunity to run in in a competitive car, and a car that he's comfortable in, on a circuit that, let's face it, needs plenty of practice. So I think it's a well, you it's don't a get very, stone.
1: Yeah, you don't get very many opportunities to do laps around the Le Mans endurance circuit. Therefore, the SEO a couple of years ago, and, and the background to this is the SEO a couple of three years ago, opened up the test day to more cars than there are in the race. I think the 64. 466 allowed in the test day when there's obviously there's only 55, 56 cars mm-hmm. are allowed uh, in the race itself, and they also opened it up to some types of ACO-approved cars that aren't actually don't have a category in the race. And
5: indeed, we've we've had LMPC cars in, in the test day before as well, John. Nothing wrong with it. I think so LMP
1: LMP3 is a is a perfect. Uh, extension of that moving forward.
5: Absolutely correct, and I think you know it's. I think again, it show, it's the ACO showing confidence in their own decisions about where the feeder formula come. Uh, might we see something else in the future for LMP3 cars at Le Mans? We might. I don't think they'll be in the in the overall race unless there's an absolute, you know, caning out there in the marketplace. But you know, we have seen a standalone race for LMPC cars when Formula One was a uh, one-make form a one-make uh, series before. Uh, could that be part of a uh, support build? Formula for... Le
1: Mans, yes, absolutely. Yeah, it it yeah. could be.
5: You know, I, I think that's you no know, reason why it shouldn't. Uh, it'd be interesting to see where we are in a year or so's time with that marketplace actually stabilising. We've got other teams coming forward announcing they want to go uh, LMP3 racing. We'll see the Ligier, I believe, during Le Mans week on display and we'll race before the end of the season. And then let's see where it takes us. But uh, I think an exciting time for people who like... You know, prototype-shaped race cars.
1: Uh, Well, listen with interest on Sunday, this uh, coming Sunday, on RadioLamont.com and on 91.2 FM Mobile One. RadioLamont.com around the circuit, great part of the team. Uh, Be interesting to speak to some of the drivers down there as well, and we will have our powered by Nismo pit lane team in action. Down there as well, Graham. For the moment, thanks very much indeed. I'm very envious. Enjoy the weekend down there in Central France.
5: Always a pleasure. Cheers, John, and uh, you be uh, you be lucky over there with him, Zalanda.
1: Ah, thanks very much, mate. Uh, Graham Goodwin joining us from the shed, S H E D, this weekend, uh, or this evening rather, at Le Mans for us this weekend. He will
2: be joining us this weekend, though.
1: Yes, exactly, but not from the shed. He will actually uh, he will actually be there.
2: Has he got uh, a little uh, portable shed to take with him to France? Oh, that's a very good point. A G-tête. Oh, a very good. Very good indeed. Now, hopefully, you'll mm-hmm. have uh, Marshall Pruitt uh, uh, joining us because uh, I've got something to play you and uh, I'm sure he'll enjoy it as well. Welcome to Johnson County where the city meets the country for a beautiful place to live. Johnson County was founded in 1823, we're named for Indiana Supreme Court Justice John Johnson.
6: Johnson County has developed into a bustling community that takes pride in its heritage while embracing ourselves as the second fastest growing metropolitan county where 141,000 people call home. Families with young
2: children find our school districts to be some of the best in the state. Enjoy the outdoors with our luscious golf courses and breathtaking parks.
6: With the perfect location for a day in the city <laughs> or a gorgeous country drive, Johnson County welcomes you to a beautiful place to
2: live. Sounds well, we fooling, doesn't it?
1: We don't normally do ads on uh, on Uh What was all that about, Tim? It's an interesting way to introduce our uh, here on the Oval this week. MarshallProot of Racer.com Does is Johnson with us. Johnson
2: County, Indiana sound like a nice place to live? Yes. Sounds very nice. Lovely Marshall? place.
1: Marshall Pitt?
6: Uh Yeah, I'm always concerned when I hear the name Johnson County, and I wonder if there are any letter K's that came out of there as well, Tim.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, good point. A man from Johnson County has been accused of choking his fiance in a dispute over which is better, NASCAR or IndyCar. No way. A woman, yeah. Yeah, a woman on Sunday uh, phoned 911 uh, because while she was listening to the Indy 500 on the radio, uh, her husband, who had been drinking all day uh, and was in the <laughs> kitchen no, really. making dinner, started rambling on about NASCAR being better than IndyCar. He so hang on. Joked her. Ha- what, to death? No. No, oh, thank well, goodness. Given that this was her quote to the Indy Star? Okay, I'm, fine. I'm thinking she probably wasn't dead. So hang on, this is effectively, although not exactly, a,
1: a, a, a dispute over the remote. Yes. Effectively. Oh my goodness, that's extreme. That's extreme. I have to say, I didn't yeah. see the quarter caller 600 at the weekend, but I did watch the IndyCar. And in fairness. In all seriousness, and that's a very serious story, but let's let's get to the serious business of racing. MP, you were sounding quite worried, I have to say. I sat down um, and watched all of the pre-show and all of the race uh, until the satellite dropped out, and then I got it back for the last six laps. Um, the On the weekend, with some trepidation, because I've not heard you sound as, as worried about anything as, as you did last last Wednesday, but that, after the month that IndyCar have had, that was the, exactly the race they needed at the weekend.
6: It was, 90. and I have to admit, I, I did see a couple of uh, collective comments about me sounding overly worried and whatnot, and uh, frankly, I wasn't. Um, it was a case of I was... A, tired, and B, having to keep my voice down because in the media center. So that might have been the the main reason for the muted tones. But uh, I wouldn't describe it as concerns for the race uh, so much as maybe a concern for IndyCar demonstrating that it knew less about the vehicles that it sanctioned to race than the manufacturers who were producing the aero kits that were in question Mm. and the uh, stability that went with them. So um, not so much concerned about the race was just, you know, again, frankly, concerned that uh, I don't know if anyone, uh, maybe even IndyCar, felt that uh, they had a full measure of control and understanding of what was going to take place. But to your point after a forgettable, uh, painful uh, month of May, the race was the antidote. The race was, hopefully, a positive reminder for those who watched and, and maybe had
1: to... Not at the start, though. At the start was uh, entirely predictable with... Uh, well, in fact, before the start, that wasn't predictable. Pooh Connor dealy dearly not buy any look and didn't even get the green flag with a, a car that blew an oil line or something like that, and uh, and didn't get to the line. Then we had the accident on the very first corner, in the first, what, 10, 15 laps on and off from, from yellow. It didn't really bode well, except, I suppose in some ways, it put everybody in single file. But what it did do was set up a really interesting story. And, of course, what it gave us was that back-to-front drive from Juan Montoya after... He lost part of the rear end of his car, pitted and started his run to the 99th Indianapolis 500 and a a win in it from 30th position.
6: It's funny. He's uh, one of the few drivers in the field. That uh, I think most of us looked at and said, yeah, it doesn't really matter where he starts. Uh, He's the type of guy who just he's demonstrated throughout his career. He's going forward, (laughs) period. He's just going forward. That's what is that is what will happen. Then you had Simona Silvestro hitting him from behind, causing damage to both of their cars. To your point, uh, lost time, definitely, but kept fighting. Um, the, had some advantageous yellows fall and uh, he they simply got the car dialed in as he mm-hmm. said after the race every single pit stop uh, they made front if not front and rear wing adjustments and just uh, of all the uh, leading cars I would say they probably did more aggressive tuning mm-hmm. from start to finish than anyone and we saw that reflected in his ability to move forward when other, others maybe could not.
1: Uh, uh, I'll pick out a couple of uh... Uh, what I think was standout performances in a moment, but what u- underlined to me was the domination of the two super teams uh, at the sharp end of the field, Penske uh, and Ganassi, uh, certainly for the the most part uh, of the race. I, I think other than some rather ambitious pit stop strategies, it was either a Penske or a Ganassi that, that led every lap of the race, bar maybe one or two they dominated the sharp end of the field mp
6: pretty amazing there was one point where four of the five penske cars were i'm sorry where all four of the penske cars were within the top five (laughs) and they generally once montoya you know came to the party uh they generally hovered in and around that area so that was really impressive uh incredibly happy for Juan Montoya to win his second. Uh, The fact is uh, we interviewed him in victory lane and his voice was almost gone. Mm -hmm. And he's a guy, how's this? He's known for his kind of muted, "Eh, whatever kind of personality. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) You could tell how excited he was by the fact that he basically screamed and yelled his voice almost into non-existence on, uh, based on his in-lap after winning the race. Mm. And so by the time he, he was interviewed, there was nothing left. I thought that was just cool enough of itself. Wow. At 39, almost 40 years old, here's Montoya, the guy who's unaffected by everything, uh, showing and screaming and going mad. That was pretty cool. The other thing, if I guess if I would say there's someone I felt bad for, it was the poll sitter, Scott Dixon, who – utterly dominated the race again and yeah again and uh, speaking with the team after uh he was unable to recover or really uh, mount a charge back to the lead in the last you know again 20 30 laps whatever it was uh they were felled by the proverbial hot dog wrapper uh after the race they found a uh, piece of piece of plastic that had gotten into the uh, water, the side pod with a water radiator oh. and had uh, blanked off the water radiator and just sent temperatures skyrocketing. So they had to dial back everything, uh, power wise, and aggressive, uh, you know, just from their aggressive approach, simply to make it to the race to the end.
1: A couple of words about a few of the drivers. I thought Simon Pagenaud was outstanding. All right, he finished down in tenth. Uh, eventually could have been a lot better. The tactics there was not to lead for the 22 car. Uh, and I thought that was that was very interesting. But it shows to me that no longer is Simon Pagino a super sub. He can hold his own at the sharp end of a field, whether it's on a road course or at somewhere like Indy. And I I think a lot of people will look at Paginot differently uh, after the weekend.
6: He definitely showed he was capable. I would maybe counter that – not counter it, but temper that by saying Will Power has shown the same thing for the past many years True. at Indy. And uh, he finished second. Good on him and excellent results. Uh, I don't know if he ever looked like he was ready to dominate. But, uh, you know, you look at him, he finished second this year, finished eighth last year. Uh, Another interesting point with Will is since 2010, since, well, he joined Penske in 2009, but since 2010, he's qualified sixth or better, been on the front row uh, half of those times. So he's always been, you know, there, thereabouts, but getting uh, through the... um, Getting through uh, to the lead to win, that is the elusive thing. And uh, One last thing, Heindy, on this is, you know, with a Pagino, with a power, uh, I mean, this, there's one of these a year. It's an obvious True. thing to say, but guys spend their entire lives trying to win the Indy 500. Come close, look ready, and it still doesn't happen. So when you see Pat Simon do as well as he did and uh, ended up not winning, having front mm. wing damage and falling back, you say, each one of these... Where you- yeah. yeah, each one of these where you come close and don't win. For me, I always say, Who was that your one shot, or yeah. will you get another one?
1: It's a good point. Uh, it's an interesting stat, isn't it, that in the years that Roger Penske's organization has competed, he's never gone more than six years without winning the Indy 500. And it was five years... Before he won this year, so it would have equaled his longest dry spell uh, in the history of Penske racing in the years that he's ended. Uh, well, if you're going to talk about the guys at the sharp end of the field, you've got to talk about Charlie Kimball because he, That I mean, that was clever strategy at the end of the race to get him up there. I've got to be honest, I didn't think he would stay up there. He couldn't hold on to the very front of the field. But managed to get by Scott, uh, failing as you say, Scott Dixon uh, at the end of the race and held on to third position. And that's a result that I'm not sure that car had in it, certainly halfway through the race.
6: No, th- another, boy, I'll tell you, that was a, a heartwarming performance by good old Chuck. Uh, <laughs> he's someone who, of the, you know, of the races uh, that we go to each year, he seems to be a, l- a little bit more attuned to ovals, mm. and I mean, there's—I uh, I think that fits his personality a little bit more. Um, he's definitely not the uh, red mist type. Give him. 200 laps didn't fiddle away and uh, perfect a car with his engineer, Brad Goldberg. And that really is, uh, you know, Charlie's detail-oriented mind coming into play. So good for him. I mean, Tony Kanon crashed. Um, I yeah. don't know if anyone knows exactly why. I mean, you know, was it the downforce change? Was it not? You know, drivers... <laughs> Drivers, most drivers at every pit stop throughout the race had some sort of down force change made, so it's not as if that change equates to a crash, um, And you, but you also look at Sage Karam crashing on the first lap, Tony crashing out, Dixie being hampered by overheating. And uh, Charlie was right there. Not only stepped up, but was looking pretty strong. Not strong enough to get past the Penskeys. No. But uh, definitely a, a solid P3.
1: Shout out uh, for the top Honda runners, Graham Rahal and Marco Andretti, who ran pretty much in lockstep, uh, either Marco ahead or Graham ahead for the whole race. They ended up fifth and sixth, top four being Chevy, and in fact, nine out of the top 11 being. Uh, Chevrolet I think we might have guessed that beforehand that was pretty dominant from the bow tie uh, at the weekend but Graham Rahal once again proving that you know there is something there he's no young longer the young lad he has come of age he's a he's matured as a racer and you know all right it was only being top Honda but top Honda and in the top five
6: definitely this has been a career redefining season for Graham so far and and you know of course you're always wary to put too much emphasis on that knowing that we're not even at the halfway point yet but uh, he's definitely shown the past you know, many races for the most part this year, uh, he and his team, they have been the top Honda performers. Uh, the other thing which uh, I guess to his credit, to Marco's credit, to all the Honda runners credit is if you look at any of the restarts, Heidi, mm. and see where the Hondas were and they're coming out of turn four and they're just sniffing the gearbox of whatever the, the whatever the Chevy is in front of them. And then if you fast forward to about five minutes, uh, I should say maybe three laps later, and you'll see a pretty uh, a significant gap between that lead pack of Chevys and then the Hondas. And then you go for a few more laps, and it's, hey, the Chevys are in turn one, and the Hondas just came out of turn four. They gave up almost a mile in, you know, whatever, however many laps. So. Yeah. That was also uh, a pretty big take-home as well, Heidi. We've seen through at the road and street courses leading up to Indy that the Chevys have had an advantage. Our hope was, hey, maybe it won't be so imbalanced uh, for the 500.
4: Uh, That
6: Uh. that imbalance was... uh, (laughs) You know that old uh, that old rocking horse was No, I, mean, there, I, I, so. I think
1: I think uh, sums it up uh, perfectly. We head to Detroit to Motor City uh, next for the Jewel at Detroit. Shared weekend with Imza, of which more in a moment. That's live here uh, on our sister service, of course, Imza Radio. Um, we talking about the racing, which is good. It hasn't scotched the rumors of potential management changes at IndyCar, which continue to rumble on behind the scenes.
6: Yes, we uh, all last week. Uh, there were pretty solid, pretty heavy rumors every day that there is going to be a senior management change uh, on the IndyCar side, uh, had certain names put forth of who it might be, even had members, current folks within uh, the IndyCar call it, you know, that granted there's, you know, a lot of people who show up for the race itself. So I uh, had a number of people working within the IndyCar side. Uh, talking, asking some of the candidates that they'd heard mentioned, hey, are you going to be my new boss? Um, (laughs) Well, at least from the earliest date that I've heard, it would be coming up somewhat soon, but I've also heard that uh, this is something that – how's this you don't want to rush a major no a uh, change of a major position so for me picking an arbitrary date and saying on this date a new person will be in um i'd rather know that this person is going to be qualified and going to steer the series in a better place than it has uh, mm-hmm. the state of disrepair it's fallen into now again uh, that maybe not something the fans see up front Heidi, during no
1: the race, no no exactly
6: exactly behind the scenes it's been ugly uh
1: good news on Hinch as well before we move on to sports cars uh looks like uh he's going to be going home shortly indeed might even get that news um today or tomorrow
6: yes our boy uh our boy said he has just been speechless at the uh the amount of love and care and interest that has come in he's been um Boy, I'll tell you, talk about a fighter. This is a guy who uh, uh, has shown the same kind of resolve that has helped him move up the uh, sport and uh, to a fairly esteemed place in a very short amount of time. It was also cool last week, and it didn't come off, uh, but I know that John Doonan from Mazda and Liam Wire, uh, continental sports car, uh, race-winning driver, Uh, they went to go try and go see him late last week and uh, weren't able to, unfortunately. But I know that uh, Liam was telling me he was going to walk in, uh, basically prop himself up, hand Hinch his uh, prosthetic leg and say, you want this? Well, if not, then get your butt out of the bed and get back in a race car. I thought, yeah, I, I love Liam, but he was he was ready to go wind him up and say, all right, pal, get your butt out of bed. You know, uh, I've got no excuses, neither do you. So, yeah, great news coming out of Indianapolis that Hinch is going to be going home much sooner than I think anyone expected.
1: Yeah, just a, f- uh, a footnote pun uh, entirely
6: hey, in- hey, intended
1: hey, hey. Uh, on Liam Dwyer. who's one of my favorite people to talk Motor racing with uh, he uh, he waved the the green flag for the Freedom 100, the Indy Lights race, which was uh, another British winner. Jack Harvey uh, took that one. Um, who's subbing for Hinch at Detroit? Is it going to be Connor Daly again?
6: It is. Not only is it going to be Connor Daly, but uh, they he actually they had a fuel related fire. Ooh. Uh, that took him out of the Indy 500 and a new sponsor in Smithfield Foods. They were very enthusiastic, very let down because they had a massive number of people there uh, for the 500. So uh, we're hoping to see them getting some branding on the number five, Aero Honda, run by Sam Schmidt Motorsport. And the other thing, too, which is just maybe a cool little sidebar is uh, Hinch and Daly are the closest thing to, you know, best friends as you're going to find Hinch, has, or, you know, maybe even Big Brother, Little Brother kind of thing. Hinch has been pushing incredibly hard to get Connor in the team. So of all the people to step in for Hinch uh, th- uh, this is who Hinch would absolutely want to be uh, representing him in the number five.
1: Uh, quick word about our live coverage of, on IMSA Radio from Detroit at the weekend, it's uh, Friday, Saturday so practicing qualifying Friday warm up and the race on Saturday it's another one of these short sprint stroke endurance races with, what have we got? we've got uh, PC and and and, and GTD there this weekend it's not a full squad is it
6: no well, uh, you've got the gt leman cars focused GT on the test day so yeah. uh folks on test day so like last year they uh they're off the plate per se
1: okay um so we won't see the gt leman cars because they'll be over in france but we get the other guys there and it's a tricky track. It's been changed a couple of times over the years. Bit are we running the extended circuit that Grand Am used to run? Are we running the short, the shorter circuit that we've run there uh, in in the, the older days of the the IMSA shares with uh, with Indy cars?
6: I could be wrong, heindy which wouldn't be a surprise with my fragile mental state of capabilities right now, but from everything I understand, it's the configuration we had last year yet with major major repaving going on, so hopefully uh, we should have some grippier grip available, and uh, at least purely on the IMSA side, uh, if we're looking at the top class that is a track that is built for torquey V8s, yeah. not uh, high-revving V8s or turbocharged engines. So, uh, again, could be wrong. But if you're putting your money on a on a type of vehicle, a Daytona prototype with a naturally aspirated V8 sure would be a smart <laughs> thing to look at.
1: It's tight, though. I mean, you know, at the top of the, the championship, Michael Viente, Richard Westbrook lead by four points from Joao Barboza and Christian Fittipaldi. Uh, and another seven points further back is Jordan Taylor. So we're getting into this Okay, there's going to be a little bit of a break while the guys go to Le Mans, but not that much. We're back into it pretty much straight away after Le Mans. These could be valuable points at this uh, this uh, at this time of the season for the sharp end of the field, MP.
6: Oh, completely, and then yeah, we get into uh, Watkins with the six hours uh, Canadian Tire Mo, Mo, Mo Sport Park. They sh- that's really what they should have called it, by the way. <laughs> um, and, yeah, we have Elkhart after that, and I mean, so we get into. it fast. Yeah, once we leave Detroit, we get into America's finest traditional road courses, bigger sweeping, faster, Mm -hmm. et cetera. So, yeah, if you can survive Detroit, you're going to be in really good shape because some of these other bigger tracks, uh, you want to talk about exposing flaws or deficiencies, that's where teams, where if if you're off your game a little bit, you can get penalized there. Detroit, uh, it's short enough and tight enough that uh, drivers can actually make up for a little bit more of any deficiencies than they would see elsewhere.
1: MP, I know you've had a, a really hectic few weeks. Thanks for making the time to join us tonight on Midweek Motorsport. And the next time I'll see you, will be in a person at uh, at the Circuit de la Sarthe, which is a good thing to think about.
6: Amen to that, brother, yeah. Got uh, all flights taken care of, so should be there for both days of scrutineering and all kinds of fun in France.
1: Okay, see you down there, mate. Uh, Marshall Pruitt from racer.com, um, sounding like he needs a good rest Uh, this weekend MP thanks very much for being with us Uh, and our coverage of course is Friday and Saturday Jeremy Shaw Greg Kramer and myself, John Hyndhoff, on IMSA Radio, which you'll find at RadioLamont.com on the player and select IMSA Radio. Uh, We've got Creventic Racing on Friday and Saturday on RadioLamont.com with Johnny, Bruce and Nick. And then on Sunday on RadioLemont.com, it's the test day with the team down in central France. And that is just about it for tonight, Tim, except...
2: Except Yari Matty Latvilla held on to take his first WRC <laughs> win of the season on Rally Portugal with standing heavy pressure on the final day from Volkswagen teammate Sebastian Ogier. Do you know what? I didn't even know
1: that was on uh, that last weekend of all the things that... We well, were what back were on, on the on...
2: traditional Rally Portugal stages. Oh really? Yeah. Like the tap, the old tap Rally Portugal? Yes. Wow. So Yari Matti Latvila, winner in Portugal, now has one hundred and forty-eight rallies to his name. Rally wins,
1: no, just no, rallies. Just rallies. Right. Yes, okay. Mm-hmm.
2: Miko Hervenen mm-hmm. has one hundred and sixty-three. Hmm. Sebastian Loeb, yes, one hundred
4: and sixty-nine. Is
1: that
2: all? Yes. Petter Solberg. 188 and yep. Carlos Sainz 196 hmm. but rally portugal was the 200th wrc event for somebody the
1: 200th who's been around that amount of time uh one of the ford
2: guys it's not a driver Ah, it's not a
1: driver, co-driver then.
2: Not a co-driver. All right, just some random person then.
1: Or it's PK. Vol-
2: <laughs> PK Paul King, really? Yeah. This is 200. This is 200th WRC event. That's a lot of events. That is a lot of events. It's more than any driver in of history. the current. Oh, re- really? Yes. More than any in history. Yes. Wow.
1: That is very impressive. Even
2: if you go back to sort of Didier Oriel, he only did 152. The same as Marcus Gronholm. Colin McRae only managed 146. Uh, Tommy Madden 139.
1: <laughs> so that really nobody's so who who's got the most of the active drivers at the moment?
2: Uh, do you describe Sebastian Loeb as an active driver? It's not really. And he's case, on 81 it. 8, 169. nine. Sixty nine, yeah. So, of the active drivers at the moment, it's Mikko Hervenen on 163.
1: 163.
2: That's still a lot of rallies. That's 10 seasons, isn't it, really? Yes. It's Five so out of the top ten are finished. Uh, no, no, of you, they're still,
1: some of them are still running.
2: Oh, sorry, I see what you mean. Um,
1: uh, well, is that all we've got time for tonight?
2: That's all we've got time for. Uh,
1: it is a uh, hectic and another multiple... ...choice weekends. Uh, make sure you keep your eye on the front page of... ...regiolamond.com. Tim and the team back in London ver- working very hard... ...as we are split uh, to the four wins... ...or at least to the three wins this weekend. My thanks to Nick Damon uh, and to our guests... ...Graham Goodwin and Marshall Pro... ...particularly Marshall who's had a, uh, a really punishing... Uh, ...few weeks away from home. Uh, the responsible adult was A. Hewitt. Tim Gray was our executive producer. I'm John Hindhoff. And there's no time to explain the llama... Is off to Moretown.
0: This program is a Radio Show Limited production.
4: Tell your friends there's more at RadioLemon.com.